Episode 280 with special guest for the first time in the show. Finally. <laughs> Going all the way back, weirdly enough, to like some of the first contender stuff. Wanted to bring him on. You know, definitely somebody that has been in the Overwatch scene far too long. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe that's not fair to say. Leg Day is here finally. Round of applause for Leg Day. How are you doing? Uh, I'm I'm doing great, thank you. Uh, here to continue my overextended tenure, apparently, as a <laughs> member of the Overwatch community. It, 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 I, it, that that came across as like a bad thing, and it was just like actual was, brain vomit. But it, it, was, it was meant to just be. It was Freudian, and we all understand that this is <laughs> yeah. a gigantic sunk cost fallacy. But yeah, as as I continue to try to justify it and make any kind of sense of it, it probably just looks worse. So we're just gonna run with the fact that I hate leg day apparently. So today I learned about myself. Um, yeah, we got some news: Toronto Overwatch World Cup. Apparently, there's a snowplow outside my window. What <laughs> else is going on? What's how are things on your? end of things like day how how is the off season treated you uh i i've kind of just isolated myself from a lot of news you know like uh mm. it's it's difficult to be able to actually rest in the off season if you continually try to just plug yourself into this because during the off season man i've got the twitter lists up i've got the regular twitter next to it the, the subreddit over there I'm in everyone's Twitch in the corner. I'm in I'm in the Overwatch Matrix, sure. baby. <laughs> I'm plugged in. I'm on CSI Overwatch. But during the off season, I, I tend to just if someone talks to me about news, I'll I'll learn that news as they tell me about it. But um I did hear about the Toronto stuff, which has got me a little bit excited. Excitement is good. Excitement is good. Yeska, are you excited? Oh uh, yeah. I think like it's I, I think in many ways. It's kind of important that this te team does well. Um, I think it like a good North American representation that actually you know can win a tournament here and there or could go deep is probably not bad. Um, generally for viewership, also because these guys you know like to bring a certain energy and like uh, yeah I I'm I think fans of the Overwatch League and the success of the league will relatively quickly realize they should probably be written for Toronto Defined or be active anti-fans and boost the traffic that way. 100%. I think it was, uh, I think Sen had mentioned on Twitter that, you know, they were like, you know, this is like a social media manager's dream team of just like the most rowdy, personable, like just like th this is a, this is a, this is a team of personalities for the most part. So it's, it's a, uh, it's not what I necessarily expected going back to some of the comments that, you know, Yiska and I had talked about, you know, regarding maybe the Atlanta versus Toronto, you know, debate. Right. Um, maybe I'll have to walk back some, some things there, but uh, definitely, definitely an exciting team. Definitely something to look forward to. Obviously we've got some world cup stuff coming on um, and maybe we'll get, you know, I think like they kind of alluded to it, maybe we'll get some, some flash, you know, uh live reactions to some of the the teams that maybe he had missed. <laughs> I, I think there are some moves that Let, let's lie a little bit let's let's lie oh, on a couple of those and then... lie? <laughs> which what which is the wrong move is yeah. smurf to boston wrong or did sugar free finally get signed i don't know we'll have to see. <laughs> you, you get to pick uh, but to episode 280, before we get into that, episode 280 is uh, here kind of because you guys support the show. Um, so 
I want to give a special shout out to our patron producers and that beautiful four-wheeler outside my window. Um, Avril, Vista, Bebe, Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronze Babu, How, Picasso, Chris R34444, Kasha67, Lotion, Pork Chop, Sammy, Rex Zane, and our YouTube members. I am DRW, Brother, Adam L, Sagi Fumi, Ice Jello, Fire Element 6, AK Chris R. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Now, Toronto, we've got a team, finally. I think it was, oh, um, the worst I'm, kept secret in our history. Yeah, yeah. it was, <laughs> it was pretty poorly kept secret. I, I don't know if there was somebody who actually like reported on it or not, yeah. uh, but it definitely was just like out in the open people. I think Sam was talking about it on stream. At one point I saw a clip of him just being like, I am moving to Toronto for <laughs> undisclosed reasons. Not for the Overwatch League. <laughs> My girlfriend who lives not. in Canada. Yeah, yeah. You, she doesn't go. She goes to other school, guys. Okay. She goes to another league. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you if you're if you've been under a rock or you haven't necessarily been plugged in, uh, Hydron, Sam, Speedily, Kaluge, OG, Sermajed, and Ultraviolet are the founding, or at least the starting pieces of the 2023 Toronto Defiant. Leg Day, we'll start with you. I know that you know you mentioned prior to the show that. You definitely have some histories with some of these players. So um, is this something you're looking forward to? Oh, yeah. I, I think that Kaluj was a super pleasant surprise last year in uh, having to shoulder a lot of the burden of being a solo tank for Shock for so long before we grabbed Mikey. And uh, a 3-3-1 formation, it doesn't leave a huge amount of flexibility behind Kaluj, but I imagine that uh, given that Casores was on Shock last year and worked with Kaluj, I think that he has a significant amount of faith in what Kaluj can do as a solo tank and knows um, probably when and where you would need to like try and source some augmentations for this particular tank line because he's done it previously with Mikey as well. And I think it's fair to say that it was a, a reasonably successful season for San Francisco Shock with a uh, uh, less tenured roster, but with some excellent scouting as well. And uh, obviously I've had a lot of history and contenders with these players when they were on American Tornado and Sir Majid's kind of like fallen in with this clique as well as like this high energy fragging player and does allow for the potential to slip into these uh, double flex support lines that admittedly was uh, during our last offseason moving into Overwatch 2 a little bit of this it was this unicorn that a lot of yeah. teams seem to be building for and in some cases did not uh did not actually materialize, so we saw things like, hey, Violet's Alicia, now right. this is a thing that's happening. Um, but I think that there's a good amount of variety in this roster with a 3-3-1, which mm. will make them at least vaguely meta-proof. And I think the, the on-paper skill of these players is something that can't be underestimated as well. Like, Hydron, I think, was underhyped coming into the league and very much earned true, some acclaim yeah. through yep. his sojourn play. Uh, speedily, probably on the opposite end. But mm -hmm. it's very difficult as a player who's sort of like uh, being babysat for most of a season with the with the promise of efficacy in X amount of months when they turn 18 to really live up to that hype. I think that Speedily was somewhat disserved by uh, when his parents decided to have him. So unfortunately, <laughs> yes. for, uh, unlucky. For Speedily's parents really didn't plan this out very no, well. Not but, a uh, <laughs> It could be. Should've I think that Speedily being like part of a team's plan, not having to be slotted in as an afterthought or like as an augmentation later, is going to make him a lot more effective in like the effective placement in this roster as like mm. an Echo player, which he's supremely good at. 
or even as a tracer player. I know that Speedly and Hydron split time on tracer quite often during yep. uh, North American contenders. And I think that having two players, maybe three if you count Sam, but I think that Hydron and Speedly are like a tier above Sam and the tracer mm. who can pick up this hero, which in Overwatch history has been pretty ubiquitous in her usefulness, is going to do a lot for the potential DPS outlay of this team. Oh, 100%. I think that, like, having that extra, like, Tracer player, God forbid, you know, we walk into, like, a Sojourn Tracer, you know, we did have that patch, and we'll probably gloss over that a little bit, but, you know, it doesn't seem like Sojourn's necessarily going anywhere just yet. Tracer's still very, you know, popular for the most part. It sounds like, you know, teams are still playing with that quite a bit. Um, having that within your repertoire is definitely super successful. Yiska, for you, is... It, do you think that this is, like the what what feels like a big marquee on the timeline currently is that like kind of what with leg day was saying like this is like the at core you know we have some of the o2 players is this kind of like the narrative that's do you think that kind of lives up to the narrative hype that is kind of being established right now is it is it the same is it different <sighs> okay so in the way what it's different and it's, it's mm -hmm. kind of nice that it worked this way, is the only reason this core is now together as they are is because they want to. Right. Right? That to, that's only true to a degree for the shock, where, like, proper had a say in getting the other guys on, I suppose. But let, let's be honest, like, that's a partnership team you were going to recruit from O2 Blast anyway, right? So mm. it feels like a lot of top-down stuff. They were also not shy to supplement from other uh, teams or, you know, like not bring, um, at, at least initially, you know, like they filled up with Western players and whatnot, right? So that's very much, much a top-down approach. Here we have a team who really planned this out for a long time, right? Like I feel like this is one of the biggest heists pulled on teams, last season, that they just got, like, one plus zeros, right? Like, that's a very unprecedented contract structure to be done through the entire league. Uh, my understanding is that their agent, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it's Ferris, um, finagled that deal with them. I think that's a huge win for player agency, uh, that that worked to that degree. It's not like they, you know, had to really, like, lose out on salary because of that. Right. Uh, so... Um, I think like they, they, that's the collective bargaining that I want to see. Um, sure, agreed, yeah. but yeah, I think like the fact that they just came to back together, realized their qualities and had this plan in mind to eventually come back together once again. And the one team is super cool and super cool storyline, whether or not it maintains the, you know, the best contenders teams from each region vibe two years later is a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. just because also everyone just grew a lot of, you know, there's, there's some shedding here and there for some players, right? Like some substitutions on other ends. Um, I think there's something transformational about which coaches are being caught. Like, I mean, this is, I, I feel like, yeah, ship of Theseus, but I think this is sufficiently different, but we, we can always tap into the roots of history here. So yeah, I think this is, this is a cool storyline. The coolest for me is is that this is both merit based and mm -hmm. um, and also friendship based. 
That's that's a structure I can believe in then. And do you think it's an augmentation to this team that like uh, they all went out to different teams? They've all experienced different coaching styles and their own peers as well, and they're coming back together mm -hmm. without. Like I think that this team, when they're American Tornado from the second win time onwards, very clicky, right? Yeah. They're fairly insulated, and yes, well, they have friends all across the North American competitive spectrum. These guys have always kind of stuck together as a, mm -hmm. as a core of players who like playing with each other. And last year's heist, as you called it, is they've kind of heisted knowledge as well. They've yeah. heisted the the knowledge of the internal processes of these other teams and the different coaching styles that they can compare <laughs> and contrast and see which they might benefit the most from. Because, well, they do have Kasorez, who's worked with Krusty for like yes. two or three years now, and that's obviously a huge boon to his own first uh, proper head coaching. Obviously, he's done it in Contenders. His own mm. first proper owl head coaching position. He also has like all this data from his players about how they have been coached in the last couple of, uh, well, the last year as well, and how that can be kind of implemented too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that that like I I don't know if I I'd subscribe to like the like the double agent like all we you know <laughs> AT is planted sleeper agents all across the league and now we're coalescing all the information together. I think it's more individual for the players where it's just like you know oh like I have this offer to go play here and I respect these players so I'm gonna go there and everybody kind of like the band breaks up right and then mm. in a very you know kind of goofy anime way they come back and they're like i just liked playing with you guys like this league you know it's you know what's what's an extra couple you know salary dollar bills you know what, what's this monopoly money that we're all playing for if we're not necessarily having fun i think there's there's like this big realization throughout maybe not esports but at least in in our neck of the woods and overwatch that you know there is a little bit more on the table than just money and you know prestige and like just running yourselves like dry playing with people who you either can't necessarily effectively communicate with or just like don't jive with and it like you said i, I feel like these guys just like playing with each other and they're going to try to play with each other for, i what it seems like from here on out I, I think you were talking about like audience engagement with this team as well yeah and they're, they're kind of tapping into one of the age-old memes of Overwatch, which, uh, if you guys remember, was Seagull's friendship team. <laughs> it's yeah. like, mm -hmm. they're just some friends playing Overwatch together, baby. And I think that you can kind of take that motif and that meme, and it would be pretty strong with this team as well. It's like, yo, just a, just a bunch of friends who might end up winning a tournament here or there. Yeah. So, like, having that camaraderie is definitely something that people can latch onto as an audience as well, rather than a team that's been... Cl classically constructed by uh, the top down rather than the bottom up. I also feel like, speaking of coaching styles, if you think about where these players came from, they essentially came from three different teams. And I feel like we have every part of the spectrum represented here, right? Like we have like Atlanta and they ha like are famously a more uh, uh, player led team. And the players like decide strategies among them. Even though you would probably say that Gata always had like a a position where he always, you know, was already coaching to to a certain degree. So this is more like the okay, the players like take the strategy. Then there's the mid parting where, where it's like uh, shock takes both into account. Kasori said that you i can't help but feel that majed and hydron kind of won the gulag and like got get out <laughs> like, like got out and like from uh, i assume like they of course like of course i'm being a little bit dramatic here describing uh gunbus coaching style but famously like hydron didn't have an easy time 
on um on that mayhem roster. Probably not, no. Um having to fight past Axe and whatnot. So but also kudos to him that he managed that. I it, had someone asked me to bet in that team, um, and begun by being the coach. I think he likes the heavy grind. That speaks to me that uh, Hydron was capable of that. So yeah, I think that's that's a certain range of experiences that uh, these players bring back to the team. I think they will also find that they got became very different people. And not least, I think we've we've successfully navigated around that point. But I would say one of the guiding personalities of that team and arguably the most skilled player here is missing, right, in, in Reiner. Yeah. And for my money, let me, th- let me go through the list. Yeah, I think last year probably the best player would have been the best player performing player for my money um, out of all of these uh, Toronto guys now, right? Mm-hmm. You could probably argue with uh, either... Kalush had a good season, and then Hydron certainly too, right? Um, everyone else, I, I think, like for me, Reiner, first half of the season was definitely a, a, an MVP candidate. And then, he, like. He was my rookie of year candidate after midseason. For sure. Like, yep, okay. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. He's like, he was, we, he was definitely up there as well. So, like, that's, that's a. And as I understood it, or as I understood the memes from back then, to be mm-hmm. more accurate. I feel like he was also a pretty important figure in the social fabric of that team, right? Like he was like this football player leadership figure to a degree, right? Mm. So I feel like this is a pretty big hit for this team. And of course, all the best for Reiner. I think he went on records on uh, on Reddit saying that, they, that he has a, a medical health issue. And mm. um, yeah, all the best. Hopefully you come back because... I mean, let's be honest. Like that's that's the second coming of Super in many ways, right? For, oh, as yeah. far as uh, like West End main tank uh, candidates for literally MVP trophies. Mm-hmm. I, I can speak uh, circumstantial evidence to Reiner being the leader. Back when we were doing contenders interviews and like uh, seeding selection shows and stuff, mm-hmm. it was always Reiner who would be the uh, the designated talky boy from uh, American Tornado. The others weren't as comfortable talking, but Reiner definitely uh, sort of stood out in that group as the, the spokesperson or leader who would represent them all. And they were very happy with Reiner representing them. And it's, I think a lot of the, the community sentiment, any kind of like Reiner antis out there, they're just like, oh, but what about the Junker Queen? And it's like, yes, of course, there are like certain heroes that like people are not necessarily, yeah. you know, the greatest at. And like, I think that's What about Hanbin and the Winston? Right, exactly. Right. Like, and I think that everybody's going to have those like weak points, but that doesn't mean that like this isn't like a... I, I think I'd, I'd even go out on a limb and say like one of these unicorn-esque tanks where they they really are worth their weight and like you want them on your team. If you if you have somebody like a someone, like a Smurf, you know, a Hanbin to an extent um, that can just flex all over the place. Reiner did showcase that. Yes, was there, you know, a few gaps here and there that I think you could probably iron out and, and have some sort of like um denial of uh you, you could you could probably work through it given that you know ranked is out now there's more time to like yes. scram you're not necessarily working on like old 
builds of the game that you know the, the the league is kind of passing over to teams like reiner definitely should have aged well and obviously if there is medical issues and you know if he's talked about that publicly then you know again i, I will say definitively that reiner mm. could work through it because remember this guy's yeah. a dps player he was yep. a winner specialist on guys yep. yeah. <laughs> that was that was the big thing that you know i think coming into last year i was kind of asking around for a couple people and i remember talking to herix in particular and he's like yeah reiner's cracked like he's got like a really deep hero pool big playmaker can be a little aggressive but like definitely somebody you want on your radar can do like everything we've seen him play ball started as a dps like you said like this is like a really really talented player so hopefully you know this isn't super serious for him hopefully he can come back hopefully he still wants to come back um because there are, i think there are plenty of teams in the league that could seriously benefit from from that kind of talent and i do think to yiska's point that yeah i this is not a it's not like a horrible thing for toronto because i do think kaluj probably is gonna do fine I think he surprised me quite a bit coming in from like the the old timey memory of him kind of playing a lot of the flex tanks. I thought his Winston was a little conservative, but definitely like serviceable. Again, playing in that old kind of situation in that old system where like he didn't have a ton of time to practice. Not everybody was able to scrim all the time. There wasn't ranked ladder to grind out the mechanics on these certain heroes. So I definitely think Kalusia's a lot of these tanks are probably just gonna like level up exponentially. Um and I think he'll be fine, but yeah, having a unicorn like Reiner is definitely like a huge luxury that is is kind of missing here. I, this is pure Kaluge propaganda, but I feel <laughs> like uh, <laughs> I feel like he's going to be able to play more aggressively with this team oh, yeah. uh, because of collective ego. I, sure, yeah. Like, American Tornado was a team when they were in contenders. Yes, it's uh, it's a different beast in terms of a level of competition but they just felt themselves so much that they would make stupid plays that would work because they were all in on being the memers. They yeah. were all in on being the trolls. And I think that Kaluj is going to be, like, OG is going to be in there with him, making the most stupid yeah. dive in human history, right? And that's what's going to make it potentially a lot more of uh, a, lot, a lot more space for Kaluj to be an aggressive tank. Definitely. Sure. I, I just want to finish because, like, I think this is a, an important point to make. Yeah. Dude, I'm... I'm setting my spawn point on the hill to die on that Reiner had a great uh, introduction season into Overwatch oh, yeah, League. 100%. And yeah. I feel like it, it really is not valued as much in that. It's And that, by the way, goes for the entirety of Glut. That this mm. team has been undervalued in terms of what it was capable of achieving just because it was not great in the uh, playoff meta, which they barely ever were very early into the metas right so yeah, yeah. I, I i feel like um especially knowing or it sounds like he already had those persisting medical issues that he played through i mean hats off uh one of the most impressive western uh rookie seasons i i in recent memory um and yeah. definitely like all Where's the best yeah all the best in uh in you know fixing your health quick recovery hopefully hopefully it's nothing too serious and hopefully uh get him back in the league again if he so chooses to oh a quick circle back on the mm -hmm. hydron grind set you were talking about as well there's a there's a very uh fun and engaging little twitter thread that hydron's been doing competing for number one dps spot in america in the rank ladder with a symmetra one trick seemingly it's <laughs> been a some it's been a very amusing back and forth they've been swapping this position like twice daily and they've been documenting it the entire way 
that's hilarious that it's a sim one trick of all, of all characters these days it's the sims that kid is no, I th hilarious dude like yeah when i first did the that is the first interview with him he picked up the call had his camera on and he was already like like standing on his chair and went like this to the camera like hey and we're like we have literally never spoken and i'm a like mid-30s man like good for you <laughs> the buddy like <laughs> uh, Hydro hydron to uh, open this up to Vazumas does have res i was uh, yes <laughs> give me back the brain cell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it, the the team in general, and and I think this kind of goes back to what you were saying. Like they like, this is a team that is gonna like live or die by like the the proactivity and and the fun and the just the I think as as vapid as this tends to be, and something that I tend to criticize people about. Like there is a lot of energy in this team that I think like if Casaurus and like the environment's the right you know level of serious, but also not super serious and they don't take themselves super seriously i think this is going to be not only a great thing for the league to kind of just like stick a camera in front of and just be like and go um but also is going to be like a very competitive team um i know i'm on record saying that i thought toronto was going to be quite quite good maybe even top five maybe even beating atlanta i assumed reiner was on this team without reiner i can't i have to walk back like top five i i don't even know if they can necessarily battle with atlanta with some of those developments going on but leg day for you obviously you know you mentioned that you know you're not necessarily super super up to date but like it this has to be a team that you you have a lot of faith within right i i, I have a, a lot of faith in this team i think that um where they're really going to either make or break isn't isn't how they react to losses mm. because i think that this is a team that will have a good chance against teams that are above them Sure. And we'll absolutely stomp teams that are below them. I think yeah. that it's, it's one of those teams where their play style, if it holds over from American Tornado, will absolutely shit stomp anybody who can't react to absolutely crayons for brains aggression. Um, whereas when they start to encounter these walls where their aggression can be rebuffed slightly, uh, the ability to dictate their playstyle on the fly and change over to places where maybe there's a little bit more respect for the opponents is going to dictate how well they can play against like your your top tier teams or at least your more experienced teams like uh like boston i know they have a lot of veterans who are unlikely to react in a panicked way to the kind of aggression that toronto defiant have and that's where i think a lot of kasaurus's job is going to be in figuring out how to play against those who are less likely to panic couldn't agree more i think that that's going to be the big like telltale sign of you know the the coach's impact for this team in particular i think it's always like a very uh interesting topic to kind of go over of like how do we how do we tell like what a coach is actually doing like do we go off of results is that necessarily even fair to both the players and the coach and like what they've done in both individually and as a, as a team but you know like you're saying if by the end of the season we can see that like this is a team that you know is keeping mentally you know anti-fragile in some ways and is staying the course i think like they, they've got like a really good thing going for them uh yiska for you do you want to you know lambast me for walking back my 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 defiant take no i still think like it would have been challenging even with rana um maybe but, but um yeah no like i think 
they they will have a meta where they probably can go very far in tournaments. Um, I I think there's definitely. I mean, okay, there's some variables there, but like theoretically, you would have to say like six is, is realistic, uh, mm. seventh maybe, um, oh maybe even fifth. Uh, like it, it definitely can happen, right? Fifth, fourth, yeah. um, depending. And I think I, I I would very much echo the point of um sort of mental management and also the role of uh, snowballing very go- uh, good early. Uh, results and then I mean if they start rolling and then can get into their groove and they are also like just getting into people's heads and actually like that that's a team that will style on you even if you're a top team uh, if right and like get into your head and if you show weakness yeah, yeah. like they definitely are selfless spawn camping like it's 2016 right so it, it, it do be feeling like a, a- a brad team right it do be feeling like like you said like we're pushing spawns we're typing in the chat maybe we don't even cap kings row point a immediately maybe we let you recontest just to beat you again right like there is like like they kind of said like there is like this this riz about this team that like they're just gonna like play with you a little bit just because they find it fun and like they're engaged with it um that it it is gonna be must see overwatch but in that kind of same context it feels like tied within this season in particular in some facets like there are a lot of like former team narratives right where it's like we're already seeing some of the players go on twitter where it's like oh yeah defiance you know defiance gonna have to play shock like day one or you know collusion is gonna have to play his old team and sam's gonna have to play his old team and there's there's that like rotten you know not necessarily rivalry but there is history right is there maybe another like string of history that you guys are looking forward to this season maybe like a boston like london battle or maybe like smurf playing against his old team is there anything that you guys are super excited for about this season with some toronto london for me toronto okay. london the 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 redo of the uh the 2020 gauntlet which was one of the best competitive games <laughs> we've ever had in tier true two. yeah even though like I I always feel some manner of trepidation. I'm like, yo, American Tornado, we're back, baby. Like, <laughs> we all remember what happened with 2021 London. It's like, yo, British Hurricane, they haven't lost yeah. a single map, baby. <laughs> they're coming into Overwatch, they're going to absolutely dominate. It's Europe's time to shine. And uh, they went, what, like, 1 in 24? <laughs> they only beat yeah. Vancouver Titans in their last match of the season. It was a very sad day to be a European contender. It was a sad year. To be a European contender stand. So it's not exactly the same teams again. Sure. But I, I think that uh I would love to cast that match because like Lemon and I have so much mm-hmm. history with with those two. It only teams. feels right. It's so cool to be able to cover that. Yeah. Just good for you. I think on top of everything, like I think those players playing any of their past teams should probably be a lot of fun. Like I could totally see Hydron just like Teabagging Merit and going like, "What? You replace me with that bum?" And <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Like that's the stuff that we need. I think, um, not to completely go on a tangent, but I think uh, Arnold from uh, Gen G or Soul Dynasty in, in our neck of the woods um, really kind of was talking about recently about like the sports entertainment aspect of things and like this. We do kind of need to start selling our fights, right? In, in yeah, boxing and yeah. MMA, there is this aspect of like, yeah, everybody's a martial artist. We get that. But like what puts butts in seats is like being able to get out there, stir the pot a little bit, you know, 
nobody likes serious drama. Nobody needs to be yeah. throwing chairs through buses and like injuring people. But to to get on the microphone, cut a promo, you know, give give the fans a little bit to yeah. You know, to grab hold of, and like you're saying, I think you know, Hydron onto onto Florida is probably a, a good one as well, right? Like, is there is there anything for Boston for you? I feel like that's just so historic in so many ways, right? You've got the Bird Ring, former London. You've got Smurf with Shock. Like, any anything else? Uh one of them I really want to see, not on Boston, but like mm-hmm. Fearless versus sure. is like yeah. the mm-hmm. one for because it, it's like the Battle of the Brothers. It, it's the same thing we had with Kaluj versus Reiner, mm. but with with the plebs able to interact with it. <laughs> Kaluj versus <laughs> Reiner, like for a lot of us, it was a very cool matchup to see these brothers in arms go up against each other. But a lot of people, like, they understandably didn't have the time to watch all of this stuff in tier two. They didn't have the yeah. investment there. But the thing is, with Fearless versus Hanbin, if you've been watching Overwatch League, even passingly, you have become invested in these players because they were just at the top mm-hmm. and demanded your attention. And now this holy tank duo has finally been split up and onto probably rival like do we know if hanbin's on fuel i don't know but i'm assuming that's official yeah 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 so we have not only the brothers in arms who have been always together this absolute titan of a tanking unit but now they're on rival regional teams as well yeah that is the one that i want to see overwatch league sell more than anything else yeah that like in a in a in a texas homestand i don't know exactly who gets the rights to it these days like i know they like trade back and forth like like parents like the divorce <laughs> divorcee parents right i don't know who's got the kids this weekend but like it needs to like that has to be like the marquee you know like you're saying i i love how you're building that up where it's it's the two former teammates leading two domestic rivals battling against one another like that that's gonna sell out like day one like that has to sell out day one like, I, I know that things are doom and gloom right now for a lot of people and everybody's big duper pilled, but like, if you put that out there and sell tickets behind it, I, I, I really believe that like Texas is going to show up. I think they've always showed up. Um, and, and I think like, that's, I, I, I like where, I like where your head's at. I like, I like <laughs> that a lot. Jessica, for you, is there another one or not so much? Um, well, I'm, I'm mostly also really interested in how, like coaching legacies move on right like that's okay. like the can rush do it again with like without that entire roster what who's he adding um i think the departure of both brad and Deepay, dude I, at some point i said it i i believe i said it before in the podcast but like that's a blockbuster movie of how these guys negotiated against each other during the off seasons and eventually like i want to sit down with both of them and just talk through each off season and how they strategized and how they got you know for for years competed for the best western talent now it feels like there's it's kind of for me this this vacuum of that um and then I feel like we have a pr- couple of pretty cool coaching personalities. I think also this is probably like we have no idea what Moon's cooking, but like, True. <laughs> I mean, this is also the point where like if you want to show that you're a great coach, like you got to do it with more than just like the absolute best, the best like gold standard talent, right? Yeah. And just like well, keep that's, them. That's in how we decided Chris is coach yeah? of the year, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, should. 
sure, you can turn that flaming yawn into something pretty good pretty quickly. But like, what are you gonna do with with some carrots and uh, <laughs> and, and and some I don't know PVA glue? What what are you gonna make out of that, chef? Huh? Yeah, gonna have to coach MacGyver this into some absolute <laughs> blockbuster of a team because, like Jessica was saying, like there are so many talented coaches. Ray's coming back. He's got Spark yeah. money to play with. Moon's still in the fold. Rush is still cooking things. You know, he's got Hanbin back in the stable. You know. Gamba. Chris is Chris. not, you know, a slouch by any means. You know, Soros uh, getting his own. Soros is getting his own. Like, there's, there's so many, like, junk. Yeah, junk buck. Well, weirdly enough, I'm going to go on a, a minor tangent, but like, I don't think 9K and Krusty, I don't think like 9K gets enough credit personally. I know that like yeah. Krusty is like Ed Honcho. I get it. Trust and believe. Like, he he's on the Mount Rushmore of Overwatch coaches without a doubt. But, like, I don't think people... I don't know if 9K's really ever been given a platform. I don't know if, like, enough people... Mm -hmm. Enough, like, people under him have been, you know, questioned about, like, who is 9K? What has he done for, for them as a coach? Or maybe even as, like, a, you know, a teammate, let's say. Um, because I, I really... The more that I dig, the more that I see, the more that I think a lot of this stuff gets pointed back to him. I remember this, the stuff about Paris. I remember a lot of the crusty things, like... The shockwave Even, comment um, recently was nice. Did yeah, you see that? Too. Like shockwave I, I said, nine k is so smart, it's almost cringe. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most player line. Like that's the most like player compliment. Yeah, right? because it's like to add some uh, yeah some lads 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 to this particular conversation. I think that's saying for myself and a lot of uh, content creators around Owl could really mm. do with is like uh, immersing ourselves in. Uh, European football a little bit because they are so good True. at creating the manager narrative or like the backroom narrative right. where like sometimes the players do take a little bit of a backseat there because they're they kind of try and frame a match more cerebrally between mm. two managers and coaches and uh, they they do a really good yeah. job of building the mythos of these brains behind the action. That's hundred percent true. And by the way, that's the easiest shit to do if you talk to Rush. Dude, that sure, guy yeah. gives you the quotes like line by line. Like he keeps firing. Like I don't know if if Dia is the best translator in the world, and she always like has the most mythologized <laughs> interpretation of whatever Rush is saying, or like he's just like he has a different vision of the game. Like I, I talked about it before. Like it's it feels like he has the best pieces in the world, but also because he handpicked them, and then everyone is just like a cog in the machine, no egos. We're just doing it. Oh, Hanbin is the vocal leader. Yeah, that's then the engine, but not really a privileged part, right? And then, like, he's the one coach where when I ask the question, I don't know the answer that's coming. I, I have no idea where it's going, right? Um, he's he's a he's a pep type, I would say, like Guardiola. Um, which you oh, okay. wouldn't mean anything to you, like sort nope. of like I know it's like a football coach, but or manager rather. And I think like the way like Barcelona played back in the day for okay, this is maybe this is also a boomer take. <laughs> football pill. Uh, it's not just a football pill; it's also a boomer take because it's like like very early Messi. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. But topical though. Uh, yeah, he was a Messi fan before it was cool. <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I I said I okay, I would be amiss to also not mention the Glatz coaching stuff. I think that's still. Like an uh, a pretty big one, I think Smash is probably underrated. Um, 
face as a head coach. Like that was once again for my money, absolutely top three season you could. Uh, like in overall performance, a top three team last year. I would argue they probably had a better season than the Shock even. Um, so like maybe the second best team last year. Pretty close to fuel overall for my own estimation because, okay, here's here me being like uh, match format pilled. I feel like winning midseason was a pretty bigger achievement than winning playoffs just based on the format and who was there and like not getting into the five five day uh gamble so yeah that's fair like the kiriko patch definitely is is not <laughs> my favorite thing ever but yeah that's i guess that's fair to say so like i feel like glatz overall had a very successful season and i'm intrigued because now we get more of the idea of the teams that you know that we there have been leaks and whatnot but like this team on paper it's hard to make sense of, right? Like Dante is the solo tank. I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, then they brought in Lastro. Of course, of course, Kev is still there. Who else is? Is someone else announced? I don't want to. Astro and Lastro. Uh, yes, uh, Astro is still there. Okay, that's that's all still very good, right? But at the same time, you're also trying to replace Shu, right? Hmm. Yeah, that's tough. You're trying that's to funny. replace happy or aunts right like that's there's big shoes to fill mm-hmm. and i'm kind of intrigued what kind of solutions this coaching stuff comes up with i personally think that they this time for the first time in a long time don't have a top three pound for pound roster in the league it's it's again it's possible we've we've kind of talked about on the show that like the last drone move is a little you know it's not bad like it's it's no no shade to last definitely you know for my money if i had a you know uh a uh why did why am i blanking on the name of like the individual awards that we give our role stars there we go i had to talk through it mm. <laughs> um last was definitely like high on my list i think i def i think eric maybe can back me up um i think i voted for him or would have voted for him for for Real Star. Uh, I thought that like he was a really surprising piece for the Houston core. Someone that I didn't really suspect was going to cut it on the main support position, and like genuinely was a reason why like Houston got through some of those like earlier season matchups, which was pretty intense. Um, and yeah, Glad's is they, there's there's pieces that they could pick up that like would make me excited would make me want to see like what's really cooking under the hood. Um, But I do think there is some, you know, there's room for like some young players in here. Like you have Kev, you have, you know, all these veterans that have been around for so long. Um, I I always kind of harken back to what Chris, and I think both Chris and Nuki had said this recently or not recently, but in the past that like having a good balance of, you know, veterans and young talent to kind of like balance each other out in some ways where like the young players are like lighting the fire and like driving and like having all of this, this, this motivation to like grind and get better. It makes the work environment really positive. Like when everybody around you is like working hard to like achieve a goal, it makes you want to work a little bit harder. But in that same sense, like the veterans can kind of like temper that expectation and make sure it's healthy and make sure that it's, you know, a little bit more, constructive in some ways so it's 
I, I could see gladiators maybe making some moves there, but there again, it's like, okay, well, but who else is left? What other kind of like S tier, you know, rookies are there to kind of snag up? It's not, it's not impossible to see glads kind of like step back into the fold as like this, this juggernaut of a, you know, any powerhouse that we kind of like learned them to be last year. Um, but like you're saying to kind of circle back to the, the, the discussion, it is kind of on the coaches, right? Like it's the, it's the people in the power positions that make these moves. It's, you know, what else do they do with this roster? Glads has always been a team that like does spend, you know, some money, like they're, they throw some cash around. So it's, it kind of remains to be seen, but there are just so many, like, I, I, I was thinking about talking about this last show, but there are just so many, or it wasn't last show. It was the show with Kenobi that we talked about Ray coming back. Check that out because Kenobi dropped some insight there. Um, but like, there are so many good coaches this season. It feels like probably one of the best, like coaching seasons we've had. Is that fair to say? Like just the density of talent. Uh, I, I think so. Just to once again, harp on the gladiators. Yeah. Um, I think that they are also in one of the best positions to indulge in what we've been talking about, which is the coaching narrative, because they've got uh, such a good coaching staff to talked about before. But if you guys watch the video for announcing Dante, they clearly have, while it while it was a meme announcement, they clearly have some significant interest in creating well-produced and well-written yes. videos that include like a lot of like cool cinematography stuff or just cool background Easter eggs. That I think would be really interesting in being able to properly um, being able to like personify coaches one of the things that i've really missed in overwatch league which i really like in uh the playoff scenarios is map picks not just because it yeah. makes games closer but i think the map picks are one of the easiest ways that we as casters have to present mm -hmm. evidence of a coaching staff's uh mental processes and the flavor that they give over to a team which i think is lost in overwatch leagues like set maps for a lot of the regular season i didn't really have a point for this i'm just ranting about it but no i i'm I, here for i it. wish that was way the way the entire way through because i like to talk about coaches thought processes for that and it lets uh, it lets you have a fantastic uh post interview question as well like why did you take this team to a map where maybe they've got a great win rate you guys have a bad win rate uh what did you think would be the differentiator as you decided to go to this map and i think it just would just give a lot more insight into how the coaches affect their teams I, I like I I have debated with a couple coaches from seasons past on this because it definitely has some cons, right? Like there are definitely mm -hmm. problems with just giving like an open map pool to coaches and they just kind of get to pick and like it does increase the the dilemma of what and where do you practice. It's it's difficult, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I'm so on board. I think the pros so significantly outweigh the cons in that way, where I think it's on the teams to create healthy practice environments to kind of, you know, take some of those losses to kind of lean more into your strengths so that you aren't necessarily working yourself to the bone to practice all the maps evenly, because that's just not feasible. Hell, I remember going all the way back to like pre-dating Owl, where people are like, yeah, we don't practice TCP, bro. Like, it's not even worth it. Like, why bother? I just practice control and I practice hybrid and we win games, GG easy. We fusion, <laughs> you need this bitch, right? So it's like, I, I'm, I'm so totally on board with that because it is like a direct, like you're saying, it's a direct coach's, you know, hand. Like, this is the play that we're making. You can kind of build up narratives. I mean, again, I think we talked about this last show as well, where it's like, what's the one piece of like, 
not shoulder content. That's not fair to say. Like the the desk. What's one one desk moment that everybody remembers last season? Custa kind of going a little bit in on the justice, talking about like the sig or I think it was Sigma. Um or no, it wasn't Sigma, it was Ryan or Max Ryan on like uh Lee Zhang on that like map five scenario when he goes on the big diatribe and kind of like is nitpicking here and there. And I'm like, yes, like this is the this is the color commentary that I'm looking for. This is like the stuff that like excites me as a fan. And I feel like there's there's just so much like passionate about it. And there was this back and forth on Twitter and it was kind of a little sports entertainment in some ways, but there is, you know, merits to both sides. I agree. Like they, I think there should be that picks. Jessica, do you like beats beats? Yeah. Do you like beats beats? Good. I don't understand the, the reference. I, there's not like, a, no, there's, there's no, I the just, I was trying to plug you back in. I, <laughs> I was just like, name a vegetable. <laughs> oh beats oh right like yeah you know there's seven words this was referred to in the english <laughs> language and the german just, probably just, doesn't I, understand I, the inflection of like oh never mind never mind all good how do you feel about lucio's ultimate yeah I, that, it could be that too could yeah. be that too yeah and instead you just confuse me um yes i i agree with your point on on the broadcast stuff i think i've I feel like I'm repeating myself every year, probably for the last five years. If everything is good, then nothing is, right? Like, you sometimes got to give a little bit of um, criticism here. I think there's, there's, a, there's a thing when, in this community, like, when you, because everything tries to be framed so positively, if you stand out once with, like, a, an, uh, a spicy opinion... Everything gets so dogpiled because it's not like yeah. that's the one thing that stands out that it really isn't a great experience to be in the limelight of of that criticism, right? So mm -hmm. I think like generally speaking everyone just needs to take more risks in how that mm -hmm. goes. Like of course be calculated like have a spicy opinion, shit talk someone on their ability to play the game. But like, don't go beyond that, right? Like, that's yeah. that's Personal. that's the level that we should keep it at. There, you can have your opinion. Like, in 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 essence, like this is all play. We're pretending. We're we're having pretend war here, right? Like, <laughs> I knew you. I knew the second you said pretend, I was like, here comes the rant. So, Here's like, the, the pretend war rant. Like, let's just right. Like, let's let's get a little bit serious about the drama but not to the point where it has any impact on anyone's employment or anything like that right let's just throw a little bit of mud and then shower off after yeah to muddy the water some more i think that's actually a platform issue with twitter because um i i think that uh critique content especially like even if it's just over the top critique content I did the Overwatch League Lowlight series for about two years, and people responded to that incredibly well on yeah. YouTube, where it was actually being posted, because the thing about, like, a, a controversial take on Twitter is that someone could just read it, and there, they, they're done. They've yeah. uh, they've formulated their opinion on it. I think on YouTube, or at least in longer-form video, or even even in picture form, maybe. Go 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 post it to Flickr, see how they feel. Um <laughs> That when people actually have to put in the investment to like mm. either obtain entertainment from this product, it's a video that's being shown to you, or be made to think about it, they 
get a lot more engagement from that because lowlights i think while reviews weren't amazing it was in overwatch's dead season i, I don't generally tend to look yeah. at that but on like a per viewer response to it it was really good people people like me just ranting about how teams were shitting the bed here and there and yep. I, I don't think teams held it uh against them either last year i didn't do it because no replay viewer so <laughs> what, <laughs> what can you do but i think that that kind of content is very good for people as well because it creates a level of relatability as well because you're like yes. hey those pros they're just as fucking stupid as i am that's fantastic and it's just funny like it's just like america's funniest home esports videos where it's like oh yeah you're supposed to be like this pro skateboarder and you you, you messed up your grind haha <laughs> shucks like it's it's just kind of goofy sometimes mm -hmm. and like you might not be super into the game or you might not be even super into the esports but like if you know that like pro athletes you know big quotations for anybody who's like ah sports um there is this 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 funny aspect to it where you know you you go and look at like football faux pas where like somebody like misses a goal that's like very obvious and it's just kind of like humor it's just like you said it's relatable in some ways it's kind of funny there I is be... you don't watch football do you jay um no i i don't but you saw the picture of that goalie holding the golden glove to his I, dick right i did i did see that. <laughs> like it, these are the kind of universally funny things which transcend fandoms and can really i'm not saying that that opened football to a whole new audience <laughs> but it, no. it certainly makes you just engage with a subject matter for a little bit even though it's just <laughs> yeah that's that's my long-held belief that it wasn't actually that big of a problem that we migrated to youtube the biggest problem was that we're also being broadcast on Disney. Because, like, if you remember back, like, what, what are some of the biggest memes? It's Profit, like, flipping the camera flipping off the and Sex Big Dick, right? Yeah. And ever since then, like, everyone's just, like, trying to keep their head low, like, not do, you know, like, not really try to get a fine or whatever. I feel like we've fostered a, a pretty boring culture there. I think we should just go in every every game, if possible. I think we're working <laughs> out of it. I think we're slowly easing off the, like, the, the, the boring gas. And again, I'm going to be very clear when I say this. I'm not saying this league needs to be edgy. I'm not saying this league needs to, like, tap into any kind of, like negative social media you yeah, know, yeah, know momentum that's out there it just ha you just gotta like cheeky not toxic right yes well put like be cheeky poke some fun have a couple jabs you know you don't have to be actual enemies if you are then so be it but yeah. have fun with it it doesn't have to be super serious and by fun it i'm not talking about like popsicle sticks and funny faces but like just you know let that personality come through and it's tough like you said um, it's tough to kind of have that, you know, to stick out, to be the nail that kind of like wiggles out of the board and like have the community see and, and react to it so harshly. It could, because that's probably the easiest way to get hammered back into the board and be like, oh, nope, I'm not doing that again. That was not fun. That was not nice. Didn't like that. Um, but it, but it is for the benefit, I think of everybody and I'm not asking for martyrs, but I, I think it's, it's the way that we grow right also like we we what at 65 percent south koreans now in this league like give uh, like i've always failed danny was at his best when he was doing that shoulder content stuff with those players oh yeah like he's super he's like super fun at parties like he just like gets those players out of their own 
you know, camera shyness and whatnot. And like some of my favorite content last season was just like people taking the time to talk to Korean players and translate it for us. Like the uh, the which in hindsight now is interesting. The Philly and Seoul, Seoul Philly stuff, yeah. sit down, right? Like where they talked about and like had had these little cards that they held up and whatnot. Like I feel like they we are missing out on sixty percent of the players in this league in terms of context. Like it's literally crazy where people like I someone will tell me something, I'm like, oh wow, this is this is a rumor. And I'll just talk to a random Korean netizen and they'll just go like, Oh yeah, that has been on the message boards for like two months now. And nobody knows here. It never transcends the cultural barrier. There's no osmosis going on. It's crazy. There's very little, I would say. I think there is some where I'll see like somebody posting from like Weibo, like cr cross posting. I mean, right. where like they get it from Weibo, they do like a rough translation. Somebody like you know irons it out in the comments, and you kind of parse information that way. But I agree, like there have been definite you know stuff that has gone on or, or you know passed along that necessarily hasn't made it here, or it would came late, or it didn't come at all, and it was. It is it is fascinating to, to to have somebody like Danny kind of bring those players out of their shell because like I, I would definitely agree definitely somebody who uh, needs I think their own just owl budget like just give Danny mm. his budget and let him run with it because he's I think he's just golden in front of the camera. Uh, I think I think there's a there's a content niche as well that could be filled by someone who's not inside the league, which is like the Korean correspondent. Where you could do sure. like your your phone news stuff, get get a get a lazy editor on it as well. Uh, you, you just report random rumors. Like obviously, this probably couldn't be affiliated with Al because it would just be silly yeah. rumors. But like just the rumor mill of Korean message boards. If you were bilingual, being a Korean correspondent, like yeah. like put 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 on a suit or a blouse, get a fake microphone, do something TikTok style in front of a green screen. Mm -hmm. I think that would be really cool content to just give some insight. And I promise. Whoever has the means to do it, I will not call you out for fucking Apex. <laughs> Just do the Korean karaoke, man. That's like there such you go. a cool part of the culture. And like we have we have these battles. We have our we have our phony wars that Yiska was talking about. Why don't we have phony karaoke wars between these teams? Out of the three Korean players you have on each team, who's got the better pipes? Just yeah. put pit them against each other outside of Overwatch as well. Because that's how we learn what the people are rather than the yes. players are. As as much as I think maybe even people in our community might roll their eyes and say like, oh, like, yeah, we, like that's just not content for us. It's content for the people who we need to tap into. It's it's to create career fans. It's to make those memories. I still remember quarter main rapping. God knows what I think it was. Uh, quarter main's got pipes, dude. Right. Exactly. Like, that is a name that nobody will remember. Kudos <laughs> to you, dude. Drop a comment in the section, do the algorithm, all that good stuff. But like <laughs> that doesn't happen unless you give people those opportunities. And I know people from way back in the day that are like, Oh, I remember when like Toby and Jay Hong did their like ballads and it was goofy and it was memorable. I, I agree. Like, in some ways, so show matches are fun. Like exhibitions are, are a great time, and like we we've gotten better at like bigging them up. But like we've seen enough Overwatch. We watched the whole season of Overwatch. I want to see America's Got Talent Overwatch edition. I want to see you know the what makes these players. You know, 
I, I think I, I'm I'm leaning into what what Leg Day is talking about. Like maybe we'd need like an owl karaoke competition where we just send in a representative from each team and we just let them have it on on stage. And maybe there's judges, maybe Leg Day, and you know there's a panel and you golden buzzer. Maybe, I don't know. Like it's it's a content idea. That's all I'm saying. Like I think that if All Star Weekend must happen again, it should be like thirty percent yeah, play. Yeah, hundred percent. Do do the All Star teams and then. Have have a sack race. I don't know anything. Do 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 some do some wrestling in fat suits. Yeah, some, something that something. is is not just the game but shitter. <laughs> I I feel like <laughs> we we definitely could do better with more entertaining. But I I also feel and okay, this is this might be a little bit controversial, but I also we I think we could do with meaning in injection and the easiest way or the most effective way i felt this comes like you can deliver is mm. losers interviews like still sure. to this day one of the most meaningful or important interviews i probably ever did was uh jexy after like he was on the fuel and they, i think they lost against the outlaws if i'm not mistaken and like I just asked him, like, what didn't work today? And he's like, my performance. And he was clearly very close to, like, he was very, not very emotional about it, but he was, like, you really got what it means to these players to play in this yeah. league. Like, it's, the, this is an underrated thing because you do not really feel what it means to guys that sit down 10 to 14 hours six to 12 months a year, depending on what kind of a player type you are, and go hard and chase your dream in with increasingly poor pay for the chance at being the best at something, right? And they, they, they willingly take this chance now. A lot of them are highly talented. All of their development is now a little bit delayed, but they, they're taking that chance of realizing their dream, and sometimes it doesn't work. Right, mm -hmm. it means something to be there. It's very hard to create meaning only from moments of great victory because they just equalize out. You get dull to their experience as you as you introduce what it means to these guys to also lose in this moment. That's where the meaning comes from. I bet there's a reason that one of the most resonant clips in Overwatch history is like Super Bala, right? Just like. Yeah tearing up as he's at the desk just like fuck man fuck <laughs> like you it like you said when things are portrayed only through victory it it's the same problem as the everything is good mm -hmm. like without despondence elation means nothing yes and i i i've i've tried to do this in my casting as well i called it the quantitative easing of compliments in that if I compliment every play as being a player popping off rather than a player on the enemy team fucked up, yeah. like shutting that down, then it doesn't mean anything when I actually compliment a player because, yes. hey, like they said, someone's good again. Yeah, we know they're good. They're an Overwatch yeah. League. But what does it really mean to excel? You, yeah. Because excelling inherently means rising above people. Yeah. Uh, as much as everyone is special, you need to rise above to truly be someone who's worthy of note. 
Mm-hmm. This okay. Here's the problem, right? You will never in a cast be capable of catching the absolute truths, and that's not a problem. Mm. As much as other people want to make that a problem, it's not the problem. Like you being able to see something in the moment, I I think that I understand it like viscerally from my point of view that it really sucks to get something wrong, get cal- called out for it, to also know that it's wrong. And then you adjust your behavior in order to like take less risks, and then you'll just say everything is good. I think like you almost have to decouple completely from from that feedback that you're given, because implicitly you will notice people actually like that content. I think, unfortunately, like negativity is everyone seems to understand that negativity sells well, but there's productive negativity. And like, I don't, I don't really care that much that the call in the moment is not perfect. That's fine with me. Mm-hmm. You just gotta take it on the chin if someone calls you out, and the players will even call you out. That's fine. That's okay. It's it is almost. I know I'm asking much. Also, <laughs> you know your profession uh, leg day. But you almost have to take it on the chin. I think like there's a lot of. Uh, I'm someone who's uh, who's definitely been on the receiving end of players. Yeah, yeah. Do, do, do you feel it's hard to push through that? Like when when you then receive like the the public backlash of that moment, it's super hard to not adjust your behavior based on that, right? It 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 is hard to adjust to that. What I tell myself afterwards is that, um, it's okay because my casting is up for critique in the same way that their play is. Like, I am paid a good amount to talk about Overwatch. And in a in a legitimate economy that doesn't have this frivolous stuff, that skill's worth nothing, right? <laughs> like, it it doesn't actually do anything. The same way that, like, being good at Overwatch is worth nothing. But we're all getting paid real money, currency, from, <laughs> from corporations to be involved in this game. And I feel like it's okay for me to critique a person's play because it's their job to be good at it. Mm-hmm. And by the same by the same coin, like it sucks when uh people don't like that about my casting, but at the same time, it's their right to say that mm-hmm. my casting doesn't work for them. Because I get paid to do that, and I get paid because they're listening. If mm-hmm. they weren't listening to me, then my skill is worthless. So I, I think that. It, yes, it, it does hurt when someone calls me a shitcaster, but at the same time, hey, you're listening, so I get paid. So we're all able to critique each other, and so long as you're talking about the work I do rather than who yes. I am, that is fine. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, def- that was definitely something that, like, I, you know, not to completely, like, brown nose but like that was something that i felt stood up with your and lemons cast last season that like i was like it was this is like a refreshing take of like this feels like a not sugar-coated but like you know a real like take on what's happening in front of me like this is a game that is kind of dog shit these players you know not playing super great these players playing quite well like it felt more what's the word my brain is screaming honesty, but that's not fair to say to like all the other casters who I built. Like I, I wholeheartedly believe like they're, they're speaking like they're honest truths, but like mm-hmm. it was, it was this, this, it was refreshing. It was nice to hear you guys come out and, and not by no means was this like lambasting the players. I think people take that 
much too far. Um, but it, I, I agree with what you said. Like, if everybody's special, nobody's special. And like, they're ha- it, it's inherent to competition sometimes that like somebody has to be a loser. Somebody has to come second. Somebody has to underperform. And it's okay to say that. It's it, That's kind of what, in some ways, we're missing with a lot of these narratives that, you know, we should be able to kind of come out and say, yeah, Toronto's been a, f- frankly, a terrible franchise for a long time. For as much <laughs> as they've done and for as like, as much money as they've thrown at this, it's been mid as hell. Like Toronto was our, the, the team I was most likely to forget when I was listing over. Yeah. Came like the last year. they're just so milk toast and they try God bless them. They try, but like, it's just so forgettable every year. Yeah. I get like in our community, we have like the whole, he messy meme shout outs to like whoever like did that, you know, who you are, but like outside of that, like Toronto, like does anybody remember like the old, the Toronto rosters? Does anybody remember when they like randomly went like Western for like a hot second? Like, no, because they weren't very good. And it's okay to say that. You sh- should you go out and tell the players that they should do unspeakable things and sp- spend, you know, vitriol like webs? No, of course not. But it's okay to, like, like you're saying, like to approach the profession, not the professional, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's just like something to usually run uh, as life advice, right? Like it's nobody needs to be personally attacked. To count of round nose on the Toronto Defiant, I am very excited for this roster because it's the opposite, yeah. right? And not only is it the opposite, but it's the opposite with the content infrastructure mm-hmm. that Toronto yeah. has created, which seems really great. Like, they are very good at making things that are engaging about either their content creators or their players. Even when, like, we didn't get much in the way of, like, real communication because they're all Korean last year. Yeah. But... It, they still were putting out some really good stuff and they go out and they use a production budget. They make something cool that, yep. like I said before about Glads, it, it, it engages with proper cinematography. You mm. get some good editing in there via proper professionals who are trying to make something look cool. They do expensive music licensing to make you feel something when you're engaging with their content. And that combined with how personable these players are might make Toronto Defiant a team that is impossible to forget. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is this is an idea that has been living rent free in my head over the last couple of weeks. And it's it's also something that I feel like speaks very much against my self-conception and that it's it's painful. It's a painful pill to swallow. But the most interesting people in the world are not the ones with the most interesting ideas. The mo- the the most interesting people in the world are the most uh, fan attracting are people who are stylists, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't listen to Migos for the the lyrics, right? Like you barely listen to any musician at this point or the masses for the lyrics and the lyrical content. It's about the style and the uniqueness and the sound of how that is delivered, right? Mm-hmm. I would say that is true for casting. I think like not the most accurate caster is the best caster, the most loved caster. It's the the guy that gets it with the most style that resonates and evokes the most emotion, not necessarily through, you know, like the the logos if you want. Like it's it's sure. that makes you feel something, right? Um and this I'll, is 
on that particular note, like <laughs> there was a little bit of discussion that I noted early in the hour about hour season about my laugh because I'm like a I'm like a hyena getting ridden by a goblin and the collective <laughs>, laughs of both of those. And like some people liked it and some people hated it, but it it, it made people like listen and engage yeah. with it regardless of how they felt about it. Yeah. And <laughs> I also feel like like real talk. I don't think like Uber's the. I don't think Uber would say that about himself. But he's not the smartest like strategy reading caster. The interesting stuff about him is like that he can come up with something cool in the moment, right? Or something like that resonates with the moment and like you know can can turn that around in very little time. It's he's inherently a stylist more so than you know like and. You're frequently. I feel like I'm frequently surprised when when I get him on a podcast to talk about ideas, but like the the real value there and the most successful entertainers are stylists first, uh, thinkers second in that sense. And in, in a way, it bleeds together because they think about their style, of course. But I I feel like we all crave authenticity in this you know Instagram reality world. And sure. to introduce, I think that's also why someone like Bren resonated so so uh, hard with the fan base, right? Like, it's just like I'm unapologetically himself, uh, whatever self that is. Mess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's like wearing that on your sleeve is is amazing. Like, and nobody like that's so why like when when everyone was like, oh, they're phoning it in. Well, they're still sideshow and Bren. They still have that style, and it still resonated. Right, like that, you can't take that away from them. They, I like people would watch them on whatever they would shortcast, right? Mm -hmm. So, I think fostering that style and uh, like going there and then having them be informed by ideas of others, I think it's always a great idea for um, for those guys to just like reach out to the guys that do the thinking work, as in coaches, for instance, you know, and have some crosstalk there have a vibe check there, the important stories that are happening there. That's that's all fine, right? Like, once again, I think, and I think there are people that make it work, that make uh, being smart about the game interesting as well. That also works. Hey, I, I feel like, I, I feel like, for instance, Avril, like, to only say, like, he resonates with the crowd because he, like, dictates who the MVP is, is not <laughs> true, right? Like, he is... He's also someone that very much leans into the, um, into calling out when something's bad, and also like being respected by the players when when he says something, right? So that that works in that dimension as well, right? So it it can work. It's just very hard. We need the full package, but yeah, I I feel like, um, generally speaking, as we embrace these acts and probably also a little bit less, you know, theoretically, at least in the contracts that we have. If you don't have sponsors, you don't need to help back much, right? Like, who's there to piss off? Or, like, at least, like, it, you, you have a different demo that you now have to appeal to, especially with, sure. right? Like, or can appeal to. And mm. um, just have some fun with it, I suppose, right? Like, if you're having fun, then it's very likely that someone else is having fun with you i i think one of the things that was a, a big hurdle for me to try and get over in this season of overwatch league when i was looking at feedback is trying to realize that like the reddits that actually talk about casters are 
heavily predispositioned to want deep analysis. Yes. But the thing is, like, I ain't him. I'm not Avril. <laughs> like, Avril was a fantastic analytical caster, but mm -hmm. we've already got an Avril. Yep. He's, he's over there. He's popping off. And I don't have the time that Custer and Reinforce have to be able to put their massive brains to work and start, start chug this analytical engine along. And uh, it was kind of freeing for me in my own like view of my own work to realize that people might not like that I'm not as analytical, but the audience that I can actively engage with and monitor is other people who really want that, but the people who just watch because it's something to watch, which for media is like the bread and butter. They, they like a little bit more tongue-in-cheek, some fun here and there, maybe a more basic explanation that's more accessible to someone who's not been watching this league for five years. And those are the kind of people who, if I want my job to survive, yes, it's my primary priority to serve and engage them. I feel like that's an underrated part about why co-streaming is so successful, seemingly. Yeah. It's like, okay, you give someone... I don't know how many co-streamers there are. Let's say in Valorant. Do you give someone the choice of finding their favorite style out of like 150 co-streamers? Of course we will find a better market fit like in terms of yeah. that than like other selections pretty quickly, right? And they are mostly just themselves. Either they feed off their... Uh, like I, I even think just being knowledgeable about the game or having the credit of being good about the game only get, takes you so far. Tarek is not big because he's like, you know, no, like no, a, a major champion and whatnot and, and, and past great player. It's I mean, funny, okay? He's also funny. He's a goofy guy. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I feel like um, the, the you have to have a wide variety and you also, you got to have someone that can make, let's say, the shit games fun, right? Like, you, you got to have have those guys. I mean, yeah, yeah, you have toilet bowls, <laughs> right? Like, you have toilet bowls that you got to get Some of the best through. Overwatch. Some of my favorite Overwatch, like, I, was this 2021 with, like, the, or is this 2020? The Houston-Boston, like, absolute, like, seven-game, <laughs> like, garbage bowl that... I I can't I can name you like on one hand how many times I've stood up while watching Overwatch that game I stood up watching Overwatch like the most engaged you could be I, do, I was, do you have Jerry rolling off Blizzard World third just burn into your mind hands up in the air I'm doing laps around my room like it was it was a nightmare <laughs> but it was so much fun and I think everybody in the community that was there that night watching that game can. 100% agree that like it was electric whether whether you know you're rooting from one side or the other it you like it was must see overwatch for like the absolute wrong reasons like august 14th right the myth the legend <laughs> like we care as much if not more in regular season about mm -hmm. the turd fiestas yeah. <laughs> compared to the top more teams Brentford. going up against Th each that's other. that's the worst part like that's why Toronto is so forgettable because they're never tro absolutely atrocious. Yeah, they're never bad, they, but they're not. There's good. always apathy, like mid apathy, yeah. right? Like the, the yeah. I think um, generally speaking, also I, let me let me in, um, 
defend a little bit my elitist trends here because I feel still a, a edgy yeah. kinship. I think that's they're also just doing their part of the entire spiel that we're having. Like everyone putting on their mask, playing the universe, and some of them have to be dickheads in order to make the entire experience full as well. Right? Like we we just all gotta be be the players in our own little play. I think it also would probably be less fun, but uh, within yeah. reason, right? I think I I mind elitists way less than you know the guys that are in your DMs just like. Of course, spouting some like beyond the pale garbage, right? Yeah, those those aren't <laughs> those people need hugs in their lives. They need yeah. a pat on the head and kisses on the forehead. But I wanted to circle back because uh, like that you kind of mentioned something that kind of tied back into like the coaching discussion that I thought was actually super poignant. Um, while doing a piece on Dante, I had dug up this quote from 9K when they were both on shock together, where 9K shares this this quote where he goes, or, or Dante rather, kind of you know is extrapolating on this, and he goes, "quote I would always watch Sinatra when I was spectating him in scrims in stage four of season one. Uh, he'd always, or 9K would always be like, why do you want to be like Sinatra? Find your own style because that's what makes you unique. What heroes you can play and what." heroes can sinatra play i think that's how you become a good player if you find your own style right and that kind of like wraps what yiska's saying and what you're saying kind of together where it's like yeah there's already a sinatra there's already a dante so in in a weird way kind of like goes back to like the american this american football um commercial that was i think last super bowl where like it's this this brief story of this kid writing a letter to Tom Brady and him responding where it's like, don't be like me, like be like you, like just be you. Like if you're going to be great, then you're going to be great on your own. And maybe, you know, you're going to surpass me, but like, don't aim to be me. Like you do you. Cause that's how you're going to, you know, end up there. And as you know, wholesome and as heartwarming as it is, I think that's just, you know, something I think everybody needs to hear every once in a while. Just lean into what you can do. Do, do, do what's, what's good for you. What, what you're strong at. Find your style. Find who you are. Um, but we do have some other things to talk about. Um, let's jump into, I know this is an absolute unlubricated transition, but <laughs> <laughs> the World Cup did get announced. The groups are available. Um, and rightfully so, there is a little bit of uproar regarding some nations that were not immediately seeded into one of the I believe six groups. I think there's two groups per region, uh, two for America, two for EMEA and two for APAC. Um, I think some of the ones that I remember off the top of my head were like Norway and Finland were not necessarily seeded, but there are, I believe four wild card slots that mm. are for debate. Yes. Yeah, four additional no, spots. No, for uh, Finland and Denmark. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we have Famously quite a few pretty, pretty adept competitors in previous mm -hmm. iterations of the Overwatch World Cup and mainstays of a huge amount of both early and current pros. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Finland had an outsized, um, an, an outsized footprint in early European Overwatch as well. We had teams like Gigante, uh, Ninjas in Pajamas. Uh, that those were kind of the same team, but also had multiple iterations of kind of Finnish-only rosters. So I think that it's it, it's not unreasonable that Finnish players have felt that their competitive history with Overwatch has been somewhat glossed over to not be instantly included 
in these groups over players who've maybe only ever had one pro. Um, uh, pro I think I know two Italian pros who were Dragon Eddie and Heartbeat, both of whom, bless them, were very lovely, but the history of team of places like Finland and Denmark in yeah. comparison, in yeah. terms of their contributions to high-level Overwatch, uh, they're entirely different continents, really, in terms of how much they've done. Yeah. I assume it's... It, have they said why how it's chosen? It just feels like it has to be, like, player base or something, right? I, I would assume it's probably player base as a percentage of, like, uh, target market. Yeah. I, I, I don't hate that, because here's my problem, okay? Yes, you could just, like, come up with some convoluted system of, like, past pro player, um, like, participation. I even think, to a degree, like, just taking old World Cup performances into account is probably also a slightly better system. What's, mm. Once again, I don't think we have the luxury of competitive integrity at this point. Like, yeah, just... It's like I, I'm an angry old man who's shouting at this as like I want the best possible games, but yeah, yeah, it's a World Cup at its core, even more than Overwatch League has always been a huge marketing exercise, right? And that's something that has to color every single one of my opinions on this, even mm -hmm. if I am still upset for the Scandinavians. Yeah, yeah. And keep in mind, they still the have a chance, right? Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think so. I, I don't see them being beaten in the wildcard round. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. I like there are just like you said, there are so many like just historical. I mean, I, even going back to like Finland, I think Finland versus South Korea was like a nail bitingly close, like game five, I think in twenty nineteen, I think in Incheon. Yeah, was... That was where the server crashed as well. <laughs> I think it was on like Horizon if memory serves. I think it was Nepal where the server Yeah, I, you're right, you're right, you're right. And it was just like a weirdly close game that like again must see overwatch you, you know you you kind of knew where you were um at that point and yeah it's as much as i sympathize with the like the competitive crowd that's just you know there are some underserved players and regions um it, it is tough it is tough because in some ways this is maybe their only shot to really get out there and, and kind of showcase their talents because sometimes, you know, there just isn't, isn't enough film. Isn't the right word to say, but like there isn't enough of a spotlight sometimes put in Europe in particular. Um, and I know that there are some very uh, passionate people out there that are, are trying to drive change in that way. So you're, you know you're you're not going without some some absolute legends going to bat for you but it, it is tough because again like like they like you're saying like it is it is kind of a marketing thing at the end of the day and you kind of have to just in some ways bite the bullet and it sucks because you don't want to have to go to go to a player and be like yeah sorry like you're gonna have to play through this open qualifier where there's only four slots so you know best of luck because that, that's never never a good thing just cuts down on their chances. <laughs> I'm biased towards Finland because they have one of my favorite narratives that I've ever crafted, amongst them, which is the the ancestor gods of Reinhardt of Finland. Sure, yeah. <laughs> which is like the, the ah. fraggy LH Cloudy and Milky Man, kind of the ancestry tree <laughs> that they managed to bring out of Giganti, which was one of my absolute favorites to talk about back in the day. But cool. I don't know. 
yeah. such a, like I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head like a huge footprint i think from a lot of those those scandinavian regions you know you they, they are like disproportionately affecting the history of the game so it does suck to, to hear that they aren't like auto-seeded um hey conversely uh, like the the opposite um to go to bat for places like italy yeah. and spain uh i think that the best overwatch player who's ever going to play probably hasn't even installed the game yet providing we have a yeah a longevity of this franchise because every single generation of players who comes in is starting at a better baseline of understanding because of yeah. the resources that we have and the honing of overwatch that's been done like you watch overwatch league season one now like what the fuck were they thinking what is going on strategically here it's an absolute mess and players who may have come in and created these kind of impressions in terms of player base that would have these nations be qualified into the groups are going to be starting at a much better uh, level of understanding of this game so that they can peak even higher over time. And maybe this is going to be one of the best ways to like try and discover those players, like people like Padapan, uh, sure. Padapan and, and Mue coming out of, uh, I believe, Thailand and Singapore or Hong Kong for Mue. Like, We'd never really heard of these players. Like, obviously, they'd played in Pacific Contenders a little bit, but that was probably the lowest viewership region at the time, apart from maybe South America. Totally. And we we even uh, met some very cool pro players out of out of uh, Brazil and places. So there is definitely, I think, some value to giving a showcase to some of these lesser known regions and meeting their players compared to players that, admittedly, we've seen a lot of over yeah. the years, and we're all excited to actually see them play. And they're going to make it through the wild cards. Of course they are. Let's, they're, let's they're, they're, there's there's no fun. teams that can compete with them as far as I'm aware. So it, it might be cool to see those kind of teams actually in the groups. I mean, to your point, like we don't have Mickey without World Cup. Mm, true. You know, like it, there is something to serving even more underserved regions that don't really see much of a spotlight that don't have like a ton of like historical pipelines or you know either maybe former players or coaches to kind of like maybe even look up to to say like oh i want to be like this player or, or i want to like lead my nation or i want to play for that team you know i i always am surprised when i see people you know rally together around world cup time and really in a very positive way kind of embrace the tribalism that is competition in some facets and in a productive way i would say i think that like for overwatch's sake at least from my experience i can only speak anecdotally um i think people have been very positive in that way when pushing for you know trying to form like the best competitive roster for them you know trying to represent their country in a positive light right it's you know in some ways we, we might not have hottie if not for like world cup germany right really kind of cut his not cut his teeth there that's not necessarily fair to say but i think that was maybe some people's first experiences with them because again t2 is not the most like accessible sometimes people are just disillusioned but like when you put the stakes in the line for the representation of your country or your region um and those bragging rights are on the line you know people tend to you know tend to want to tune in people tend to want to like rally behind some of those stars like you said dragon eddie i you know I don't think like Dragon Eddie can has his like place within the Overwatch League history books, if not for Overwatch World Cup. There's there's so many different and, and fun narratives and fun players that we don't get to discover if we don't have 
you know, uh, a very wide net. Obviously, the, the biggest stories were definitely Kodak and Fusions. Kodak mm -hmm. was definitely. I think biggest breakout. And Fusions, of course, uh, Minecraft Steve himself. <laughs> coming <laughs> from defeating Team USA in 2018, I believe it was. No. Yep. Uh, was crazy. Those are those are always the fun ones. I remember even like going back to like 2016 and like hearing some of like the Japanese players and people like rallying around like I think AKTM at the time. Like that's just like a super old name that like nobody's gonna remember. But like people were like, I like that guy. He was super cool. His like Cassidy was super slick, and you just you just kind of make fans for these players. And like again, we need that stuff to to kind of you know have have Overwatch go for for as long as it can forever it would be nice i'd like a forever in that that answer box but that's kind of mm. tbd um so that's world cup is there anything about the patch that kind of strikes your guys's fancy obviously we did have a balance patch recently um we got some marissa changes hog can't one shot anymore ripping chat for anybody i guess if there's no chat so rip in the comments or in discord if like you're a hog main and you're just feeling bad and need a hug like that's rough but... ah, you cry yourself to sleep like you should <laughs> <laughs> if you're a hog man and you feel bad you're where you belong <laughs> welcome home I, that that one for me was definitely very telling. I know that like the devs have been very public in talking about like, yeah, we're going to have to do reworks. Yeah, Roadhog just doesn't like fit. I think they're kind of like dancing around it, if not just like outright saying it. I haven't been like super. I, I've got a lot of this like through like third party proxy at this point. But when you kind of gut a character like this, it does feel like there is like this looming. You know. Rework big change right like i think people are a little gun shy especially when they come from like games like league of legends and some facets where we've had to like form very specific definitions on like what is a rework and what is just like a redesign in some ways this feels like okay we have to tone back a lot of power to implement more utility to implement you know power at a later date because at this point I, is there a point to playing Roadhog? Like, I get, like, the logic and, like, the developer comments where they're like, well, yeah, you, like, hook people into your team and, like, your team kills them. It's like, yeah, I don't know if you've played in Plat, guys. Like, that's just not <laughs> happening. That's it, it's just part of a game dev pipeline, right? Like, yeah. a rework requires... Uh, one of the things we've got to talk about with League versus Overwatch mm -hmm. is that League is a fantastically designed game, but visually, it's a lot more simplistic, seemingly. Like... Mm -hmm. A lot more low res, you're far more zoomed out. Overwatch is a beautiful game with very high tier art, very high tier animation. And those things take a lot of fucking time to make. Sure. So when it comes to actually reworking characters, things like Orissa with how she got the spear yeah, and right. the spins and stuff, this takes a lot of time. A lot more than changing numbers in code does. Yep. So it could be that people just like, maybe you nerf hog, just it's kind of a halfway house thing to try and stop the the amount of frustration you get when playing against hog and i i think we're pretty much guaranteed to get a rework for him because yeah. he doesn't really fit into what the tank role does at the moment which is that after he uses his hook his ability to meaningfully impact fights outside of his meager range is very limited mm -hmm. and i think that one of the things that really defines a tank is like getting rid of the one shot was important right okay. uh and one of the things that defines a tank was like that they aren't the the player that can one shot person someone they're the player that gives an advantage to the rest of the team to be able to get those kills and that's something the roadhog 
uh, without his hook is very bad at doing because after he uses his hook, he's just a shit reaper for a while. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. I think also like an underrated point here is like these changes almost feel like you're like putting the winter stuff or you'll be bringing the winter clothes down from the cellar and like have your thick coat and everything and you bring the summer you know like the the boo uh, the the flip-flops or whatever into the basement because like you need a rotation of new clothes for whatever you know the weather is like and the weather currently is we all fucking hate roadhog that's the weather, yeah. and we gotta get that fucker out of here because it's a frustrating to play against, and b it's been going on for a decent amount of time, right? So, um, I think more so than anything else, they probably just—I I think balance patches. The more I think about this, it's important that the most utility you get out of balance patches is when they change the meta and therefore create novelty not bring about a perfect state of balance that you're never going yeah. to achieve anyway. I think that's... a pretty good state of balance at the end of Overwatch 1. Like it, True. Like, you could play pretty much anything, <laughs> yeah. but we're, we, we all still didn't enjoy it very much. Here's the problem. <laughs> that is true for a certain amount of time until a either like someone figures something out about the game that's new and therefore like impacts the meta yes. culturally and socially because like meta is not just a gamble it's also a social construct for a lot of it right <laughs> like if not then we would all be playing roadhog eh, sorry Symmetra and tobion right now maximizing like ticky tick like oh 50 <laughs> dude Symmetra is like at 55 percent win rate or something from maybe the the data uh, the data is uh outdated from what i've seen but like theoretically speaking like we would all be maximizing, but um, I think it's just really what's what's fun and uh, effective at a certain range. And also, what am I un less likely to be yelled at when I pick X Hero in my team? I mean, definitely, there's that that has to be part of the reason. But I think at like the top level, there there are like precedence outside of esports or not that's that's not fair to say not outside of esports because i definitely stay within the realm to kind of point as, as to evidence as to like the weird peaks and valleys that even stagnantly you know developed games like brood war like smash melee um they they still go through as much as they are stretched out right those wavelengths are stretched out in a lot of different ways they still go their, through their peaks and their troughs. I think one of the big ones, at least that sticks out of my mind, um, most recently, I think there was a Sheik player for any of the, the Smash Melee players out there. Like, apparently yeah. that was, you know, not a character that has ever, like, won a really, really big tournament, or at least as a solo character has won a big tournament. Went out there and did work. Credit to, I think, Mook for, for winning, I think, Genesis, whatever number. Um, and, like, going back to, like, Brood War, a game that, like, historically has just been untouched by, you know, blizzard devs for a very long time you have you know players like savior reinventing some of these matchups where like people just assumed it was just lost in certain situations that he flips it on his head and kind of like makes this legendary you know reinvention of of the game in some way so as much as we crave novelty i still think 
if we were to never touch Overwatch again and we just ended Overwatch one and that was just the, the balance patch that we got forever, like we still get that wavelength Eventually. of peaks and troughs. It'll it's just stretched out a little bit. Like like for example, with goats, right? I think we have we were we were just on the cusp of like seeing the breakthrough solving when, it. Yeah, and in some ways, yeah, solving goats with like the stage three shock and Shanghai matchup where Shanghai comes out with like the multi DPS stuff that China was kind of innovating with. They kind of, you know, bring it into the fold. Shock has to adapt to it. They're like, whoa, like, you know, goats isn't necessarily pairing well into this. They have a good read on things. We kind of have to mirror them because lo and behold, Overwatch is very symmetrical in some ways. Um, or it's a strategy to just, I guess, be symmetrical. Um, and unfortunately, we, in some ways, unfortunately, we got Rollock immediately after, but like that, that wavelength of of balance and imbalance and imbalancing itself back into balancery right like it, it tends to happen if we just let it go through its course it's just really really drawn out whereas when the developers come in just manufacture it, it gets really really tight together and you get all these spikes and it bounces all over the place Conversely and I, to that though uh-huh. uh, i i think the devs have to balance a lot more actively at the moment because like you said the best minds will solve it, but yeah. the best minds are fucking busy, mate. <laughs> and we, we aren't seeing what those best minds are cooking up, which means that there's not a lot of top-down meta influence at the mm. moment. So what works in ranked is generally what's going to stay. Like, people get farmed by Roadhog, they're like, that's pretty good. I'll try mm. that. Yeah, And um, it means that the more advanced methods you might have to like try and counter for Roadhog from people who play coordinated yes. uh, strategies are going to be inherently inaccessible because mm-hmm. of the ecosystem in which it's evolving, where you have consistently rotating teammates with consistently rotating specialities. Yep. So I think that it's necessary for devs to try and be a little bit heavy-handed with balance in these interseason arenas. Oh, definitely. And, and I think there is something to be said to create a healthy environment for everybody to play in because you don't want just Kiriko being an insta lock every time you load up into a ranked game because they're just too good not to play right like yeah. yes like you're Kiriko, you're at a disadvantage exactly and like obviously that i think you know i won't speak for you guys but i don't think the, the the changes to her were you know enough i think she needs a little bit more of a punish window for a lot of those cooldowns she does just seem to just be this <laughs> slippery little devil that just always gets out and always has suzu and you know just is repositioning forever um but in the same way that like roadhog for a game that went through such a fundamental shift going to 5v5 roadhog was always an edge case in overwatch one and now kind of became a problem child for overwatch two um where the kit just doesn't fit anymore there isn't like that extra tank to kind of you know cover Mm -hmm. the option that maybe the other me team plays a roadhog and maybe like goes on a flank and you know we have a utility piece to kind of rotate around and and you know flex and and cover that It, it that doesn't exist and it doesn't exist uh inversely as well where it's like well now i my tank is just the solo hog player from Overwatch 1 that's just flanking and ever mooring people and it just doesn't that's not fun to play with either so there a rework it feels imminent um yeah i don't know if you guys saw the math on the sojourn stuff apparently that's like both mm-hmm. it seemed like a shift of power in some it's ways a buff and a nerf but it's mostly nerf but in some ways 
Like if you're a dude that shoots Orisa, you're yeah. buffed, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you get more rails. You get to generate more rails because you're now generating not based on damage that you do. You mm -hmm. just have a flat amount, and like if you just shoot into armor body uh, of Orisa, like you're now generating more than previously. And I think shield is unchanged actually. If I can cook my sauce for a second on Kira, sure. I know that this isn't a patch uh, balance podcast, but I th I think that you could do a. I haven't observed how the new recovery time for a fooder um, impacts the overall healing output. I can say as someone who played about 10 hours of Kiriko and ranked, I was averaging 12k heals per 10, which is atrociously high. Yeah. But now with a 40% higher like recovery rate, that might go down significantly. I think that, like you said, her ability to not be locked down is probably the biggest thing. And I think that they should just change the Afuda so that for Kiriko it only cleanses her rather than makes her uh, immune to everything. And then she's only got one proper escape yeah. tool rather than two, which I think is a little bit excessive when it comes to the hunting game. Yeah, because you do you do want to get those cooldowns out as much as this is an FPS game. There is, you know, we want to eat at those resources. And if we if those windows are not open or if, you know, those windows are maybe or those abilities rather are a little too strong, then, you know, maybe we have to to rework them. And I get, you know, where Blizzard's coming from um, with a lot of these changes. I think with Roadhog in particular, where it's like, reworking a hero feels a whole lot harder than just making a new one right like even even going through some of like the the, the thought patterns of like oh well what if we went back to like the weird like vape cloud that we had in like the experimental patch <laughs> yeah. you know it's just like okay well maybe that's just better served on a new hero and it's like even design or like redesigning a hero you still have to kind of in some ways respect what was already created because if you can't just like throw on like a, a shoulder mounted bazooka to roadhog and just call it a day it's just like <laughs> well, that's just not roadhog that's like somebody else it's like how do we there are limitations to that and and kind of the flip side to that coin with kiriko it's like this is a super popular character we don't want to just gut them to gut them so it, it does feel a little light-handed i would definitely say it's not enough um but i think I, I'll, I'll just kind of echo what I think Platchap said. Like, there's probably more coming with like the new season coming out in mm -hmm. God how many days. So, uh, probably expect that. Um, new season might come with a new support hero as well, which would be particularly good because uh, the thing that we also need to take into account is this is a live service now. New hero good equals money. Yes. Because oh. I'm going to play this hero. I wish for a nice skin for this new hero to be displayed while I'm playing it. This is excellent. And, like, the new heroes being good is what sells battle passes to get those heroes quicker. Uh, that's a debate that I'm sure you guys have done to death over multiple yeah. episodes. But the fact is, that's the economy that we're living in now. And that's what keeps the game running. So the, the new heroes being good is almost a necessity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you kind of do want to push it um in, in like the card game version of push where like the new the newly developed card set is just a little bit you know power crept so that like people want to buy it because they want to replace their old cards and it is this like vicious industrial video game complex in some ways where you just kind of have to keep pushing the button um but I, as as Eric is screaming at us in chat, uh, it does. I don't believe, and and again, maybe the public can correct us if we're wrong. Um, the next season will is a map season. The season after is a uh, new hero. I believe. Right. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. maybe. I lost track when they did both in this. Yeah, it's, so, it's, so which it's, one are we on now? Are we on a map season or a hero season? They, they've all. <laughs> it just should be a new hero. I'd love it for it to be a new hero, but alas, we're just gonna have to wait. Hopefully, maybe at the beginning of the season, we start to see like the Kiriko teases, where you know, back when you know Overwatch Two is announced, Yisk obviously very aptly noted that like there was like the. Um, Oh, what was it? There was there was something that I felt like you you spotted early on with like the Overwatch Two stuff that was like, oh, that's really odd. Like, why is that like that? Or there was some the indication. Or it, I I don't know if it was five v five in particular, but was it Kiriko speed boost or like the new hero? There was something regarding the new hero that like people were were quick to. I don't know who I'm who I should attribute that to, but hopefully some of those Easter eggs come out because I we think... had Overwatch Two tangent. Yeah. Do you think that the the move to 5v5 has um, done well in terms of being able to characterize a tank as a leader rather than that being a shared position? Uh, uh, I think that it's definitely it's definitely done better for esports photography where you can, you yeah. can have your centralized player who it, it allows you to like, create a <laughs> highlight in a picture, which I think is really cool for just for surrounding media of esports. Mm -hmm. But I, I do wonder what it's done in like characterization of tanks and i think that we discussed reiner earlier is really good for how it managed to sort of like paint reiner as a leader and kind of sure. almost a, a monolithic figure mm -hmm. yeah do, do you mean say... strictly like from a, a esports perspective or generally in ranked like do you... uh i i think from an esports perspective right. um yeah i think so i think Theoretically speaking, like some of the biggest storylines this year, other than proper, were tank related, right? Like we had Reiner, we had Hanbin, we had Fearless coming in, in during the final. Uh, we had someone, uh, Smurf popped off. That, like I, th I feel like we probably had more val like in the top MVP candidates than ever for the tank role. Oh, for sure, right? Mm -hmm. So and, and yeah, it, yeah, rightfully so because it's so it's so like the hero pool is not huge, but now that it's only one person having to play the entire roster of the tank heroes now, like that becomes almost like a DPS feat where it's like you need to do it all because these metas are like you said a gamble, and sometimes you are gonna have to go to the Winston, and then you're gonna have to go to the Rhine, and then you have to go to the Junker Queen, and God forbid Ramatra is you know as good as people say as they are, like it. You're gonna have to bounce around, and that's just a one-man job until you know you sign other people to do it. Yeah, I think one thing the role suffered from historically was that tank players always um, were talked about as dependents rather than as individuals. I think, like even in support, like flex supports would get their highlights. DPS players would have their highlights by themselves, and we were rarely talked about in the context of like. Uh, what they do with their DPS partner. Obviously, there there were examples of that happening with famous duos, but like when we acclaimed DPS players, it was often by themselves rather than as a duo. And I think the tanks finally got to like have a share of that limelight where like they could be good as themselves rather mm -hmm. than be good as part of fifty percent of a unit, which I think was a, a good uh a good change for season, which I've completely tangented to something. <laughs> no, I think it's oh, definitely something that like touches at the heart of a lot of like content that, or maybe not necessarily content, but I know that Yiska had like a very interesting like thought piece way back when, when you know we had flex tanks and we were trying to decide like who was 
you know, there is this big community, you know, kerfuffle about like who was the best flex tank ever. And it's like, there, it is just such an underserved role when it comes to both narrative and like actual analysis around it that makes it really hard to kind of figure it out. And to what you're saying, like, they like it is much easier to like parse the game. And because of that, and because of, you know, tanks being just a single, you know, single role now instead of having, you know, a partner, like you do get to see those moments. You do get to kind of, it's a lot of different things kind of stacked on top of it. And one another, like Overwatch 2 is an like infinitely easier game to view. The The decision as both like a leader of the team, but also like a leader in these team fights where it's like tanks were always setting the pace but it was difficult to tell who and where was setting the pace because sometimes you had metas where the flex tanks were taking a lot of dives and sometimes it was the main tanks on the Winstons and the wrecking balls. And it's like, it's very clear and very focused on who's doing what and who's setting the pace, right? Like, it'd be like, it'd be very weird if League of Legends had two junglers, right? And there was just stuff happening all over the place and neither jungler got to really like feast on the fruits of, you know, the responsibility of setting the tempo of the game because there's one, because there isn't a, an additional tank anymore um, in, in a lot of different ways and a lot of different interpretations of the word leader. Yeah, I would say 100%. And I think, like Iska said, it's no surprise that coincidentally we have our hotties, our someone's the Smurfs, like every everybody kind of, all of the tank boats were were risen with the this, this <laughs> encroaching Overwatch 2 tide that everybody gets to kind of be a little bit more important. Everybody gets a piece of that pie because it, it's just more it's it's not necessarily more impactful but it, it's a lot of different facets all working together to make tank absorb more of that spotlight if that makes sense i would definitely agree i think that's that's a very a well appreciated tangent yes yeah thoughts no, there no i agree i think uh it's it's probably also one I, I, that works just on so many multiple levels mm -hmm. that it, I, I don't know. I I still I see the threads. I see that whenever something changes, you probably feel bad, especially if the thing that was changed away really was the thing that resonated with you. But there's almost no doubt in my mind that that was the right decision uh, oh, to go five v five, right? And. I personally have mm. way more fun, even though I notice also once again a decline in my uh, play. I think season one, I was like, well, like I definitely made it to uh, ninety. I think it was one hundred ten or something. Now I'm like level sixty, and I'm probably not <laughs> going to get much further. I'm not probably not going to get even the legendary skin at this pace, right? So. <laughs> Um, I feel like that's just like okay for Blizzard games in general, where it's like, yeah, you probably should just go play other games, and then you know what? When the new hero comes out, we're gonna go back and play Overwatch too. Like it's okay to play other. Yeah, games. but that sucks. <laughs> like for your esports title, <laughs> it, it does in some ways. It does. I don't think it does in others. I think it's, I think it's good for everybody to have those 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 peaks and troughs. Like obviously, we want to keep everybody around as long as possible, but. Um, I I I'm very hesitant to want to like scramble for the attention, um, much in the way that like a, a very com not a contemporary but like another like piece of the Blizzard puzzle like World of Warcraft for example like historically always tried to battle for your attention and forced you like in very insidious ways to like 
have to log in and do your chores nice. or you fall right nice. like that's why games like final fantasy and a lot of these like more niche mmos kind of like peaked up at the time uh, and i know that mmos are the root of all evil in gaming basically. agreed very, very much agreed but we still uh, they were the testing ground <laughs> they really were and it's really gross if you're if you want to get like really sad about why you do the things that you do look into like the uh oh there was something recently that was published that um i'll have to find it anyways FOMO? I studied. No, it was just it was like this study into like the like um dopamine drip in like modern video game right. design and like how it's like just really gross when you look at it and like you you look in like how the sausage is made. But anywho, um yeah, I don't think it's good for a game to like demand your attention all the time. I think it's a good that you want to have competition in this like attention marketplace where it's like yeah, okay, we lost you for the, the map season. That's good feedback for the devs to say, hey, maps are no good. We need more content. You know, there's no better feedback than just the bottom line being slashed at, right? And saying, yeah, no, this isn't enough. It's not enough to just have a map. We need something else. It probably can't be another hero as much as I, to the to the chagrin of Yiska and maybe other people in, in our community. Um, but it has, there has to be something else, maybe. Um, and we'll probably all come back with the new Overwatch here. Everybody's going to want to play the, you know, the Ramatra 2.0. Everybody's going to want to play the new Roadhog. Everybody's going to want to play this new support hero if it's a support hero. Like, and that's okay. I think that's okay, at least, personally. Like, Day, is that okay? Yeah, that's Please okay. Like, I, I'm trying to think of ways <laughs> that you could, like, have your... The real problem for Blizzard here is that I'm tempted to call them off-seasons. The, the seasons that we're not getting a new hero. Yeah, and yeah. then... That, that's not great for your engagement feed, right? Yeah. So I, I'm trying to think of ways that you could like have an off season that's engaging. And uh, like I'm just I'm I'm going to I'm going to the cookhouse here. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking that like in your off season, you actually make it a tournament season instead, where like you have your regular season that brings up a new hero, and then mm -hmm. you have kind of like. You're gonna really have to forgive me for saying this phrase, Go but the it. refractory competitive periods, like <laughs> <laughs> okay, like okay. like where like where there's a separate competitive queue where like you can five stack and it's got its own tournament bracket, like so you can kind okay. of like have like your in-game like team season yeah. before you go back to like having a hero season. But honestly, like I'm I'm not a game system designer, and I can tell you like to return to the root of all evil conversation. I suffered from major MMO addiction, man. I had like a year and a half of game time on one character over the course of yeah. about three years. Like my life was entirely ruled yeah. by like MMO. Star Wars guy, right? <laughs> yeah, hey. I was. Uh, I was one of the number one PVPers in the world at one point. That's fair. That's in like day law. Well, fast. Star Wars: The Old Republic. I oh. played essentially the equivalent of a warrior. Uh, mm. like a melee DPS and tank class. That's what actually got me into Overwatch because I saw Ryan. I was like. As a as a raid leader and a melee <laughs> tank, I understand this, and that's one of the ways that Overwatch uh, really managed to speak to me and kind of mm. help break out of that addiction by creating new addictions. Thank you, gaming industry. Very cool. Mm. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much same with uh, WoW back in the day for sure. <laughs> um, ah, fuck, I had a point. Um. Yeah, but I think like once again, like you gotta compete with those guys. And I, oh, here here's the thought I had. Um, mm. I think eventually, what probably will happen if they decide on a 
sequence rollout of the we now call it campaign apparently that that's mm-hmm. just going to be like in between seasons i think there's enough overlap we're probably just going to get pve during those hero off seasons right and then you can introduce Absolutely. a new hero and that then expands on lore and then you get the campaign on that particular hero like long term long term long term thinking is my uh, hypothesis here that you know like the content pipeline i think that's also makes sense i i think there will be a healthy amount of overlap between people that play the pvp and the pve and oh, yeah. Uh, just feed off each other in terms of the content pipeline. I, I'm I'm still I'm still intrigued if at all this PVE aspect can contribute towards keeping people in the system, pe- keeping people engaged, and having that be uh, a boost for esports. But we'll see. Well, I mean, uh, if the IP is big, then by nature our little fraction of that puzzle has to increase at least a little bit not a huge I'm just amount. hoping that blizzards uh leverage the resources that they have which is mm-hmm. an entire other studio which has done some of the the greatest raid and dungeon design in the history of video games right. uh like what i'm my my fucking pipe dream is we get Mythic Dungeon Invitational for yeah. Overwatch raids. Yes. Like, I don't know if there are going to be Overwatch raids, but, like, we're looking at a long-term live service game, so surely there are going to be raid-esque instances of PvE, and we can speedrun those. We can, we can yeah. gamify the game itself, and it, it might be that we expand our esport instead to have multiple things, like Atlanta Reigns raid team. Sure. Do do you do you roll the same players for both? Do you are there going to be some teams where they feel the same team for both of these kind of content pieces, or maybe where they have separate teams like we had academy teams before? We're going to have raid teams now instead. I'm hoping that that's an ecosystem that will happen and that we can develop over the coming years to uh, really create some like cross pollination between PVE enjoyers and those who might be like, okay, cool, fine. I'll watch Overwatch League because I like Dallas Fuel's raid team. Let's see how they're doing in uh, in Overwatch League. Real but, talk. like I, 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 We had this discussion here on the podcast, I think, with Avril, where I, yeah. I was like, I could totally see that being bigger than the Overwatch League. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. depending on how they nail the PvE, I think as a casual experience, there's probably way less performance anxiety there because yeah. they, like you're playing with your friends against the uh, AI or... Right, like that's that's a very much a different position. I feel like a lot of the quick play players that just vibe with the how the game feels and the lore and the universe that mm-hmm. th- those guys will just seamlessly transition. And I expect those guys to be a big part of the community, just based on also yeah. what tr- transitionary properties we have between like casual Overwatch audience and esports being like a bit shit. Given everything, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, I imagine, given like there's a huge amount of the gaming population that like sees a PvP only game, and they're like, yeah, they're like, eh, not for me. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> sure. But to to like to your point with like the the Mythic Dungeon Invitational, I think, I think that the idea that like a community or a game can either through Ideally, a grassroots method where it becomes like this popular thing that 
you know, the developer takes attention to and starts throwing money at and it becomes this, you know, success or this hit, right? Like much in the same way of like the the race to world first for like all the new like WoW raids and maybe even some of the Final Fantasy raids that are, I think, getting a little bit more attention now. Um, like, I think it's really fun to have competition shifted in a different, you know, lens where it's, it's like, like Yiska said, it's not necessarily just, you know, player versus player, but it's player versus player versus environment where it's a race to the first into the finish line, or it's, you know, how fast you can complete something like there is like, there are these different transmutations of like the definition of competition that I think a game like Overwatch is desperately needed that comes with PVE. And that probably going back to like the off season analogy, when it comes to like these off season seasons of overwatch the game where yeah they're probably just designed they've designed these like uh this this blueprint or this roadmap the way that it is because in like in all likelihood a lot of these off seasons are probably going to be pve drops right it's going to probably be a pve drop followed by a hero drop followed by another pve drop followed by another hero drop yeah it sucks that we have to just wait for another shot in the arm but if it follows that kind of cadence, I think we're perfectly fine. And I hate saying this too, but we might just have to wait till another, you know, October when, you know, PVE comes out. And, mm. and that's just me referencing like the, the, the PVP, like early access release date. Um, I, I and, think, and I think PVE will be a, a, an amazing content opportunity for teams yeah. as well, because PVP uh, the content only exists in the flashpoint of our competitive engagements, right? Because you only, like, as a team trying to create content, when you only control, like, 50% of the participants, your ability to craft content carefully is very much limited. Whereas with PvE, because you control all the variables and there's one constant you're going against, it allows you to augment that experience for comedic or for um, exciting purposes like a world first. Like mm. you can be like, can we clear this raid with five tracers? And that that's yeah. that's a, that's a fifteen minute video where you can be engaging. And because like PVE doesn't need like a big arena to happen in, and because you don't need another team to get the reactions from, you can film that in your scrim space, and you can you can be with the players. Because guess what? If you don't win in that like in that funny video because you're poking a camera in a player's face, it doesn't matter. And like there are so many avenues of content which can't be pursued by these teams just because in PvP obviously you need 100% focus on the game because you're not going up against the same thing over and over again that you've practiced previously. Okay. So I think that that's going to be potentially a really good content avenue for some of our teams to increase their ability to both invest in and more importantly see a return from Overwatch content. Leg day, are you saying that Overwatch League's uh, Overwatch League teams are going to make guides? <laughs> the, the, yeah. this word of every content no, written 100%. content consumer yeah the guides are going to be bigger than all the interviews the guides yeah. how, how to nah. be yeah joe 100 i, 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 I know competition it's gonna be so much bigger yeah it's it like that's like the the new frontier of like owl content is like you have some of the most talented players in the world that bar none right these are very, very talented players. So how do you maximize the return on these players with like a pre-established format that we know works guides? Right. Like every time I look at like a new freelance opportunity, it's like, oh, can you write guides? It's like, 
I guess, like, what do you want a guide for? Like how to do X or Y or the best settings for this or that. It's like, it's, it's something that needs to be searched. People have this like thirst for it. So how do we take the Toronto Defiant and put them into, uh, you know, Overwatch? Uh, what was it? What, what's the, the like, the, uh, the PVE stuff that we had that we go back. Home rising. Yeah, it, for example, like taking that, like, how do we beat that on like mythic difficulty? And like, what's the most optimal way? Like, how do we just throw like the best players in the world at that and just like give the con, give the, the, the tools, the tricks, the tips, the guide to the public. And that just becomes the new thing. Because again, like there's just, there's such a clamoring for PVE that people are going to want to do this. So how do we get ahead of it? That's that's the ticket. That's the golden goose. Anybody who's first, like out west, like it's a gold rush. The first team to put out a guide how to beat, you know, storms rising or this, that, the other thing. Like they're gonna make so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, Eric kind of brightly points out, like CarQ, for example, for the Defiant, sure. like putting out all these like tip videos and and driving educational content. Right, like there's a reason why. This, there's there's a reason why you see him everywhere right it, it's successful people need this stuff people want this stuff they have a like they have a thirst for this knowledge and it's it's successful yeah no i think that's very likely to happen and the thing is my, my question is 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 the best overwatch league player also the best pve player you know hard to say and how Maybe quickly it, it, are they discredited <laughs> in that right it's it's definitely a different tool set, right? It's it's it, I think it has to probably be the case um as we kind of wrap up that like you know, I think initially like the first some of the best pros are probably going to be some of the best PvE players, not to get like too like theory crafty. Mm. Um but yeah, like given enough time, I have to imagine that there is like a certain skill set that PvE demands that maybe like the pro players just don't have the time for, right? Maybe they just don't have the time to like grind out all like the the niche, you know, mechanics that you need to do when it comes to PvE or like how to manipulate the AI or what have you that, you know, maybe they get outpaced in some ways and maybe we see like a new generation of you know, pro Overwatch players, like like they were saying, like kind of crop up in, in a different, you know, lateral avenue that only feeds into the greater IP that benefits everybody, right? In the big umbrella. This is the best cure for my doomerism. Talking <laughs> <laughs> about PvE and Overwatch, I'm not gonna lie. Hey, it's it's been a blast, and I'm I'm excited to see what this this PvE looks like because it comes from a developer. Uh, that has done, I think it comes from a group of developers that that has done extremely, extremely good things. I think people used to meme on like the Call of Duty experience, but let's be honest, like these look great, right? Uh, you, your Blizzard obviously comes from like a legacy of creating incredible PvE content with Diablo and WoW and all this stuff. So like you said, hopefully they have at least an iota uh, of that in, in this over this, this overwatch landscape that people really want to learn more about and experience the, the story too. So uh, just to, just to tickle my ego pickle. Um, I don't know how, how familiar are you with uh, the new Vancouver roster? Like they, uh, I'm going to click on it now. <laughs> let's get a live reaction of the Vancouver Titans. And then I'll right, tell you, let's have a look. Aspire punk, Faith, Crimson, and shit. How the fuck did this happen? <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I, I like is their coach. 
So they brought over a lot of those former Boston players. Baroy, the new GM, um, uh-huh. has that Boston connection. So that should probably explain some of those names. And then Sugar Free being the wild card, the the NA golden boy that has been kind of the, the prodigy in waiting. So initial reactions. Lenny himself. This is a, this is a roster uh-huh. where um, the theoretical peaks, if they combine, are very nice. Agreed. This is a roster where I think we're going to see uh, a theoretical peak meet reality quite hard. Mm. Now, I, I have a I going... I each of these players can pop off. Agreed. 100%. Like, you give Punk the Sigma, I think Sugar Free has a lot going for him that I think people have been, you know, cold to. I think that that iron has been cooled a little bit, uh, but I still think there's a lot of talent there. Um I trust a lot of those those former gatekeepers that you know brought him on the Brads. You know these this kid's got got some some gas in the tank. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a bet with Yiska that I believe the Vancouver Titans are going to finish seventh or above this season in the regular season. Ah, look at his face, Joe. That's in your soul, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not as keen, is what I'm. Hearing. Uh... That's some... <laughs> it's okay to I, say no. I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know enough of the landscape at the moment, but that's, that's also a very man. Sure. Like, so who do they beat to get to seven? Ah, that's the question. Here we go. That is a great question, right? Because yeah. like, have they beat? Get London? ready for the ass pull. I okay, so here's my logic, right? Because I think I don't have to go too far to convince you. Okay. 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 I'm I'm open to be convinced. Okay. Let's look at let's look at the gimmies, right? I think New York for all right. of their. We New don't York know is a anything about yeah. Vegas is a gimme. Right. Okay. Maybe. In Empress we trust, yeah. And that takes us to what? That, that's two gimmies, okay? That takes us to eleven. Then I think there's a big middle pool of just gray area that we tend to have, right? I think in most Overwatch League uh-huh. seasons, there is this like unstratified middle group that just trades amongst themselves that teams like London, teams like Florida can punch way above their weight in certain metas, like you said, that like will have this team peak. Is it a gamble on my end? 100%. <laughs> when you have certain players that do excel, that have punched up in seasons past, the Aspires, the Punks, I think Faith, I, I'm trusting in Broy here. I think that you know the kid has more to, to show than maybe what we've seen. Um, that this is a team that can punch up, excel in certain metas, maybe in certain stages, and then finish in a, in a cool seventh place and win me wait, 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 hold on, hold on. I see what you did there. We still need four more names four more by names. your, yeah. Sure. So, for example, I think they could probably trade and maybe have a positive win rate against the Florida Mayhem, depending on okay. how. Cap, right? Ten. I think, I think London could be in that same realm of like we could trade with them. Justice, another team that. Yeah. Will have okay. Okay. Like, no. Okay. I think London, they could. I give you justice at this point. Yeah. Justice, I think, is is yeah, almost gimme true. territory. Yeah. Okay. I think Florida is a battle, and then it's a gamble on who they upset. Right? Like I'm asking for an upset, but you know, I think it's doable. I think it's definitely. You need two upsets, right? Uh, probably. I don't know how to do that. So. 
going to hope that it's... Oh, uh, this is... Do you want to start calling me Lord now? <laughs> so uh, I, no. I'm just going. I just want to clarify your sure. bet here. Yeah, yeah. Is this seventh in North America? Correct. Yes. At the end of a regular season. Regular season. So what you're telling me is this roster of five players is going to be consistently good enough to get seventh across four matters. Not not necessarily. Make him feel really bad. Seventh, they have to. They have to finish seventh. So like they could get like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end of the season. And maybe they win a stage. Like, God forbid they win a stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they don't have to be seventh over the yeah. entire duration of the season, just at the end. Yeah. So and I'm you're, you're telling me a roster that has no main tank and very little capacity for double flex support. Yeah. Across four, across four metas. Okay, to be fair, I'm hoping that this is a team that is done building Get him. and has to fill out some more. Because I agree, like, I'm <laughs> I'm begging on the fact that... I'll give, I'll give you they could get seventh in the first stage. I'll take it. I'll, that's the positivity <laughs> I'm looking for, like, Dave. <laughs> that's what I need to keep me going. I gave We gave you PvE, you give me some copium, okay? But I think over the course of the entire season, if this is the roster, I... I don't think that's, that's, that's the consistency thing. will be there. Like, I don't think that London's gonna be, uh, like London's gonna probably have one bad stage. Yeah. I'd guess. I don't think that that's a team that's gonna be popping off all the time. But I think they're gonna be more consistently good. That they would yeah. take seventh or higher at least. And then we've got a load of teams that I don't think these guys have the the depth to really hold a candle to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As it stands right now, again, I'm banking on them not being finished, but as it stands right now, gun to head, if you actually had to like get my honest opinion of this roster versus what we've seen thus far, yeah, of course not. I don't believe that like that that's a tough sell. Yeah. I'm assuming they have a couple more moves to make. That would that's my take on it. Like piece. Joe is on that amount of copium that he just hopes that at this point, like miraculously there will only be ten teams in NA. I'm miraculously hoping Vancouver site and sign Reiner tomorrow, right? Like, <laughs> that would be. You're what, so much cooler. Reiner miraculously becomes uh, <laughs> someone who can play in the Overwatch League. Crazy. And doesn't go yeah. to Toronto. Woo! I mean, that Vancouver money. Am I right, guys? No. I, I'm not right. going to lie. Vancouver's more likely to lose a Spire or Trigger Free to Toronto <laughs> right? than they are to get Reiner. <laughs> No, it's 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 you know it's a fringe pick. It's a fringe bet. Uh, uh, yeah. The Chengdu have won me fringe bets in the past. Right. right, let, right. Let, history, let history stand. We did it's, win that bet. Like you already got a gimme by Justice not getting Fitz and Iris. Like it's true. That that would have also eliminated the like the universe a, conspires to help me. This guy. Yeah. As much as you Wait, try I, I think that the universe has one or two more plays in your favor, and I still don't think you get there. Like. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see we'll see it's uh, definitely something that we're gonna watch very closely um but as it stands now i think we're coming up to the end of the hour uh like that has been an absolute treat to have you on you, uh hopefully we can have you on closer to the season start i know i want to do some content leading up to the season so hopefully i want to bring you back in and and get a definitive take maybe do some power rankings but as it stands now uh what's going on with you where can people find you are you working on any projects yourself anything going on 
Uh, currently working on a project to turn myself into a VTuber. So sick fun. Base. Yeah, Let's check go. that out at twitch.tv forward slash legdaygaming at some point whenever it's ready. Uh, which should hopefully be soon. I'm I'm pretty proud of what we've done so far, and Ooh. I'm working on a big video project because I'm I'm hoping to like use it as a proof of concept to do some more content for Al. It's an internet historian style video about the um the effort of competitive Overwatch to build the Overwatch League logo on R slash place. Oh. oh. <laughs> There you go. I'm here for that. I'm here for that. That's dope. How hard is it to get a VTuber avatar going? Uh, it's easy when you've got an artist for a girlfriend. Yeah. I'll put it that way. Based. Okay. Out, like, yeah. nice. Nice. Good VTuber. dating strategy. Slight cheating, you know? Yeah. Mm. Pardon? Yeah, for sure. Good dating strategy? That's. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe one day we'll become the first VTubing caster for Overwatch League because they've been reaching out to some VTubers for the yeah. for the co-streams yes, uh, yeah. last year so who knows maybe they're interested in that kind of thing get down with the Zoomers they do love their VTubers True. that's that's for damn sure and yeah I've, I've seen quite a few like I think I've seen a couple on match day you know co-streaming the matches and that was kind of interesting to see interesting to hear some of their you know what they thought of things so very cool very cool uh, Jessica, what's up with you? Um, so I'm still like trying to get the player panel going. It's 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 getting there. Um, we're finalizing a date. I got some pretty cool players to talk about. Uh, you know, all kinds of issues and or questions. You know that that a player has is confronted with uh, across the season, across you know this particular season. Um, we'll talk about game balance for sure. So. That's coming down. Then I'll I, I actually like like day. Like I'm I'm also like, look at me reaching out live from broadcast. But I'm I'm planning like a, a casters um panel. I haven't reached out to anyone. I just want to you know have a brainstorm what kind of the topics I want to talk about there. Then I'll probably break it down and we'll have like an analytical and shoutcaster. So like the storyteller seg or panel and then the analytical panel. Um, certainly I want to talk to coaches on a panel. I think that could be very interesting. You know, get Chris, get Face, get, you know, Junkbug, whatever, whoever wants to talk uh, to me on a panel and talk about the challenges of like roster building, whatnot. Um, and then, yeah, the, the interviews are also uh, coming. Like I, I, I feel like currently a lot of folks are like getting ready to travel. They're not as accessible. I think like we're slowly starting up scrims. It, like I, I think only one team is currently actively scrimming. Um, so I think we're we're getting there. Um, then and of course uh, the new season format I, th I expect to be announced pretty soon. Um, I'm really interested to see the community's reception. True. Yeah, it's. We're getting closer to, you know, hopefully getting a some some announcements. I know Sean Miller's been cooking up some stuff, so hopefully we get that coming out soon because that definitely uh, helps everybody. You know, once uh, we know when uh, when the season, uh, you know, whenever that starts. Um, yeah, much in the same way myself. Uh, working on content, I got to pee real bad. Uh, doing some historical stuff leading into the season, doing some narrative stuff, you know, all that flowery garbage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's pretty much it for us. I think. Thank you. Leg day again for coming on and 
Thanks for having me. Chatting the chatting the chewing the chewing the fat, I believe is the 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 saying. Um, definitely gonna have to bring you back on. It was a, a, a blast. Um, and yeah, we will uh, we'll see you next week. Episode two eighty is in the books. Uh, uh, be kind. Give your friends a hug. Bye. Bye.